Hi, Jube Jube. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another all-new X's for Show, your premier media response show, where you can check us out on all the social X's for Show. As for me, I'm Nico, and you can check me out in all my action at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. I guess my spooky affectation for this Halloween season is freaky hands. <laughs> I accept it. Um, I don't know what mine's going to be. Rattling bones. I'm TK. You can find me at TK Elemental. Crickety crack. I I went to this, so I guess I'm doing a ponderous chin scratch as my Halloween affectation. Very Lon Chaney, I guess. And you can find me over on the socials at Kevo Really. That's K E V O R E A L L Y. Wait, is that the queen that won season two of Drag Race UK? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. First, I was like, I don't think her name was Kevo. Uh... Oh. No. Uh-huh. That's me. I am Kevo, proprietor of this fancy new video background that we have that I'm super excited about. I'm Thanks, so StreamYard. This has been Kevo's dream since we moved to StreamYard, and I'm so excited he's getting to live it. Oh, and Nico's having a little fun with his setup. Uh, meanwhile, what are we here to do today, gentlemen? I believe we have a game afoot. There's oh. always a game afoot over here. It's time to uh, rack it up that bracket, and we are going to take a look at a topic that has long fascinated me. See, everybody's always like alternate history. What if the Americans had never, you know, achieved independence from the Britain people? The Britain. People. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. Uh, what would we have done? You know, well, I think we uh, wouldn't have had Hamilton, right? But we're here to talk about, I think, the real pressing AU question. What if other people had been cast in Marvel Cinematic Universe roles? I'm like, I'm really, I'm so excited. I'm tripping on my words because this is something Kevo and I have talked about doing since the HTML days. It's something that yes. uh, TK and I have talked about every time we've ever been on the phone. Um, so, you know, this is a really exciting broadcast. We're going to be bringing you a bunch of people you might not have known were originally uh, slated for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We even have some that we had too many for the game. So we just got some extra facts to throw your way throughout the episode. And uh, it's it's going to be a really good time. Uh, you know, is there anybody that you guys would have loved to have seen cast differently in the MCU? Just like a quick take. Uh, you know, I think my only real like that I have no real uh, passion toward in either direction. And I even kind of feel bad about it. But Josh Brolin's Thanos just doesn't like that's not the role of all time for me. Um, yeah. You know, I would great, be interested. But- I'd be interested to see someone else as Thanos. I wonder if somebody could probably do a stronger take on it. It's not that he's bad, but like it's a bit generic, giant purple monster man. I see where you're coming from. James Gandolfini. Yeah, it's James Gandolfini as Grimace coming toward me wearing a giant. No, I'm saying I want James Gandolfini. Yeah, I would take the nine seasons of The Sopranos, feed it into an AI, and then just let that do it because that's a good idea. James Gandolfini went to high school with my mom. There you go. All the more reason he should be playing Thanos, as we know. That was definitely. Now they're both dead. That was not right to the dark place. I just think it's weird. Yeah, two nickels. (laughs) Um, Wait, but hold on. James Gandolfini's son 
has been cast in a yet unannounced role in Daredevil Born Again. So uh, you are sort of getting a little bit of that same Gandolfini magic. uh, Wouldn't it be insane if he was playing Thane? No, Thane Thane is fine. Uh, But But then by that token, Vincent D'Onofrio as Thanos would have been a really interesting take too. He would have been a great Thanos, yeah. You embarrass me in front of Death Nessa! Um, I think villains are probably the ones that I would say most strongly I would want to see different casts on. No, you were fine. My biggest one um, is Cap. I have said always, I love Chris Evans so much. I love a Boston boy. Um, I think there are so many things that Chris Evans can do. And I don't think he did the role poorly. Like, I don't think he was like, oh, God, what a schlub. Uh, I just think there is nobody I can think of who is more wrong for that role. Besides maybe James Gandolfini. But if you asked me to choose, I would pick James Gandolfini. You think this I, I on my, my forehead stands for France? <laughs> um, I think he is so completely wrong for the role. I just, you know, and especially at the time when he had just been Johnny Storm, I just couldn't think of anybody who I thought less embodied Cap. And yes, I really do think he acquitted himself very well for how wrong I think he is. But if I could if I could just change that if one piece, time, if yeah. I could turn back time, if I could find a way, that is probably the thing I would do. You'd replace Cap I'll be in. I'll be interested to know which of the front runners you would yeah, replace I him mean, with. That's, I, we're going to get into that in a second. <laughs> well, then, we uh, will. Full on Violet Chachki. Come through. Let's get into the game. Rossanova. Hold on. All right. Let's get me. I always forget I have to like actually do something in these. So I had, you know, come up with this idea, pitched it to Kevo, and we had so many that we have some cool bonus facts for some of these. We've arranged our bracketeering game. It's a standard, it's a standard style bracket where we go group by group until we get an ultimate winner. Now we will be comparing multiple people up for the same role. So we're going to be talking about two different people who might have been up for the role of say Thanos. And ultimately our winners won't be one-on-one but we do have a number of interesting doubles. We have a number of Black Widow contenders, a number of uh, Captain Americas in there. And uh, Kevo, I just really want to applaud you on doing this amazing list and uh, TK and putting this awesome bracket together. I was useless. I was camping. It's okay. We forgive you. Um, we do, so and we love. I've got the bracket up. But actually, this time around, this isn't as super important because Kevo did far better slides, which will kind of illustrate the real point this will just be here for a visual representation of how far we've come along uh, so kevin and i had on our our matching tva jackets because you know this whole thing is about uh you know this is in variant. honor of loki is in honor of loki we'll be talking about uh tomorrow, tomorrow. on our regular sunday tv broadcast so Which, check that but out we've all watched that. though at this point right oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. we might let something slip but honestly did, i don't i don't think a ton happened did we all love Loved, loved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're enthused. We're very enthused. <clears throat> and, you know, I want to just say that I think something that they got right is, for the most part, when anybody tries to create faux nostalgia with look at this old-timey McDonald's, I'm mostly like, mm, roll my eyes, can't do it. But old-timey McDonald's, wow. my I, I could remember 
pulling up to the McDonald's in Old Bridge on Route 9 North, where on Mondays, hamburgers were 25 cents, and on Wednesdays, cheeseburgers were 35 cents, and 1 trillion percent, that is what the Loki premiere gave me. I felt like I was back in a McDonald's ready to get in a play place. It was baller. Um, I really appreciate that. We'll get into it more. I sort of wish that they would broaden the anachronism. It's very much of a mid-century era. Hey, contributor Jonah! Is Jonah? Love you, pal. Um, I wish you would. I wish we would see as much like early '90s, late '80s technology. You know, throwing a VHS in the mix. Uh, A lot of it is very late '40s to early '60s, um, which is a fantastic era to ape. But, you know, I, it, it seems like the idea is partially like it could be any time because it's the time variance authority. And it's no, like, but no, I mean it's... the McDonald's. I meant the McDonald's. Oh, the, the actual end. McDonald's from the yeah, end. I, I mean, really the actual McDonald's yeah. from the end for me that was, was like a, walking into a McDonald's. That was a legit moment. Yes, you're totally right. OK, and let's play think... this game because I've embarrassed myself now. No, but I think so many shows no. do it so badly. I think so many shows recreate the McDonald's experience in a way that's kind of macking me. But, you know, I really I have a lot of problems with Sylvie's portrayal because I feel like not enough attention has been given to the ways in which she is a strong, powerful, thoughtful character. She's too honestly she's too honestly for me. She's too quickly to be shown as responding to a situation instead of having her own positive agency. So uh, seeing her have such a cool moment in last episode already really gave me like hope that her character is going to have a beautiful arc. Just make sure you're saving some of those feels for tomorrow. Oh, I have a hundred thousand more. It's Loki. I I never run out of feelings for Loki. So part of why I made the slides is I felt it was important to have the character and the actual actor up for us to be able to. Is that Johnny Depp? (laughs) Get out of here. You're a putz. (laughs) We love you. Um, Yes, that is super important. And I think the visual is really important too because I think the visual of the character is almost more important than the actor uh, because it's really like, you've got to think you got to center Tony Stark in your head and then put, you know, in this case, Clive Owen or Sam Rockwell in that suit with that gaping chest wound. Uh, (laughs) You're asking me to believe that one of them did it in a cave with a box of scraps. Clive. Uh, I so my understanding is I believe Clive was being looked at by the studio and Sam was being looked at by John before seeing Robert Downey Jr.'s screen test and being like, this is my vision and changing the course <laughs> of cinematic history, basically. Oh, wow. So Clive Owen on the left, uh, Sam Rockwell on the right. Sam Rockwell would ultimately go on to play my least favorite Iron Man villain, Justin Hammer, uh, don't love him anymore in the movies, but it's a shorter list to dislike a bunch of people on. Um, but it's it's really something to think about. Clive Owen, closers, Clive Owen. Um, Ooh, with Natalie Portman. With Nat yeah. Port, yeah. I, honestly, one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, really, a, a terrific film. Um, really? We've had this fight oh, multiple God, times have, in the car. We? Shit, okay. Every time I say Closer is literally one of the greatest films I've ever seen in my life. You go, really? Um, every single time, exactly that face. Um, 
I love Clive Owen in this. I, I, I love Clive Owen in this role because Clive Owen embodies largeness in every role he portrays. And something I like about Sam Rockwell is that Sam Rockwell is a larger than life personality. But I feel in many ways like I got a sense of Sam Rockwell from Justin Hammer. And I don't know that I want it here. I love him in a bunch of other stuff. But uh, I got to give this one to Clive Owen, you guys. What a commanding dude. Um, I feel entirely the opposite way about Clive Owen. I truly do not enjoy him most of the time. Love Children of Men. Love when he is under hey. assault at all times and hopefully going to die. Um, Man, he would have been a hot James, like Grandpa James Bond. He can do it when he's like 70. Yep. Absolutely. There are roles that I think I can really see him in for the MCU, and I'm blanking on all of them, and I feel terrible because I want to prop him up as somebody who would be great as something. Um, That's a know, woman who knows. Closer's a better stage show, says it Tori. Uh, yeah, I fully believe that. I think everybody involved is miscast, and I don't think it works as a film. Uh, so, you know, thank you, Tori, for agreeing with me and not Nico. Um <laughs> I don't like Clive Owen and I don't like Tony Stark. So <laughs> for some reason, Sam Rockwell's particular version of smarmy, like the biggest problem I always have with RDJ's Tony Stark is that Tony sucks to me and Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. does not. Robert okay. Downey Jr. can't do any wrong. So when there's times where he's like, war crimes, what do I care? I'm like, I don't believe you, Robert Downey Jr. I've seen the fourth season of Ally McBeal. I know what's up. Exactly. Um, I saw you in Less Than Zero. Uh, so, Which is Sam... a better movie than book. <laughs> yes. Truly. I remember uh, Suitcase Boy. Brady Snellis is a garbage person. Anyone? Suitcase Boy. SNL Deep Cut. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell to me has the sort of sliminess that I think sometimes they try and give Tony Stark in the films that I never buy. Fair. And I like him better as a villain. I wish Justin Hammer had been written as a better villain. And if he's coming back for Armor Wars, maybe we'll get that. But my vote is for Sam Rockwell. Uh, and you know, uh, Nico at first had kind of started to talk me into Clive Owen because I really do. I mean, it's going to Sam Rockwell though. I'm sorry. Uh, you, no, you started to talk me into the idea of Clive Owen. And I really think he would be an interesting one to see. And I really do think he would give such a fascinating portrayal that I think would have leaned so much of this franchise more into the realness of comics than the bombast of comics. But I also really agree with so much of what TK is saying about Sam Rockwell being a different shade of the same type of Iron Man. And we forgive so much of Iron Man's bombast because of how delightfully charming we find um, Robert Downey Jr. And that's even the point of casting Sam Rockwell in the role of Hammer is that he's supposed to be like Robert Downey Jr., but we don't like him the same way. And so I think seeing someone who is a far less likable Iron Man would have been uh, really interesting. And I wonder more how that would have affected the franchise than Clive Owen, because if it was Clive Owen... 
I don't. We wouldn't have gotten to the Avengers. No offense. It probably would have been an amazing movie, but I don't think it would have been received the same way. It's also one of the really funny things about all a lot of these uh, potential castings is that these people would not have gone to uh, Endgame. They they would not. They would have been too old by that point. Clive Owen, I think, would have looked too old by Endgame. Um, yeah, that too. Y- you know, Robert Downey Jr. is a particular type of man who really kept it tight beyond what I think was reasonable to expect of him. And I love him for that. But I do think to what I was saying before, like one of the big problems is the first movie starts out really wanting you to be like, oh, this gross guy. And all of us in that theater for that first movie were like, finally, Robert Downey Jr. getting the chance we have been hoping for for him since his life kind of went off the rails this is a perfect role because it kind of mirrors his own struggle and we know that we know he's going to come out the hero we want him to be the hero from minute one and it takes a really long time for you as the viewer to start being like oh yeah tony stark can be a dick sometimes and it really only picks up in like infinity war so for like the first ginormous chunk of iron man time you just kind of like him yeah all right, so we're we got to put this one. Uh, yeah, uh, we we're giving it to Sam Rockwell. Ryan. Yeah, Sam Rockwell beat Clive Owen for uh, who would have been the better? Not quite Iron Man. Nico, say hi to your boy from Robbie. Oh, hey Robbie. Hi Robbie. There you go. I also want to spotlight uh, Tori's incredible comment of I can't see Clive hanging in the darkness. I can't see uh, Sam Rockwell being more charming than broken. Uh, you know, this is just such a great perspective. Uh, you know, always love to hear alternate takes. Um, but, you know, uh, alas. Now, we find ourselves looking at two guys who are known for repeating other people's jokes and looking at the camera. And so Dane Cook and John Krasinski were both up for the role of Captain America. And, you know, if stealing somebody else's jokes for the fame isn't the american dream i just don't know does this even seem possible so this is another this is i prepped iron man with this because it works so much better for this cap of course when they are casting it dane cook is like he's about to make a mistake that's going to ruin his career and i think one of them might have been talking about being in talks to audition for Captain America. But like he is at the height of his fame. He's looking really good, but he is too old. And it would have worked for one movie, but he would have been a significant what? Hold on. The thing I want to say about that is every one of these guys would have gotten that triple letter cocktail. Everybody would have been HGH to pieces. And so nobody would have looked too old. No. Uh, men do not respond. I know every every now and then you get a Frank Grillo. I know. (laughs) Um, so hold on. I want to, I want to look this up for my own edification. Um, Corey says this is Jensen Ackles erasure, which I appreciate. Uh, meanwhile, Jonah says that he wants it to be Dane Cook only to keep the running gag that Emily Blunt is more famous than John. Dane Cook is 10 years older than Christopher, Chris Evans, who is Were you about like to say Christopher Plummer. I, I was about to say Christopher something. Um, Chris Evans. Even I mean, Chris is, will do. 
Chris Evans is like technically, I think, older than they might have liked if they had known that the MCU was going to be this thing that's going to easily span 40 years. You know, I think if they could, they would have cast an 18 year old. Um, So like Chris Evans even is a little older than you might want for longevity's sake. So Dane Cook is now 51. Uh, 20, almost 20 years ago when they're casting this or 15 years ago, let's say, uh, it makes a lot more sense. You know, he's seeming young and hip. He, he's a guy that clearly can work out, that can do, you know, that can respond well to the uh, obvious cycles that these guys go on. Well, and he lands a joke, which is what yes. Iron Man did yeah. repeatedly, which yeah. is what characters in the Wolverine franchises do, which yeah. is what Spider-Man did. But it's he not a punchline. It's not what Cap does. No, and I think the thing I would point out, though, is with the two of them, it's interesting because my thought is Dane Cook will give you exactly what you want. Dane Cook is going to train and go to acting classes and study with Uta Hagen and is going to give you, as soon as someone tells him who she is, is going to give you exactly what you want. We know he's very good at repeating other people's work verbatim. But then you get John Krasinski, a guy whose whole shtick is ad lib. So, uh, you know, I'm not even like, I'm not trying to be too on the nose with that, but like with John Krasinski. Oh, yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. Dane Cook knows how to stick to a repeated script, gonna, even if it's not one that he wrote. But, uh, but I'm going to pause you. Well, sorry, Nico, keep going with your point because I'm going to push back against it. Well, because, but John Krasinski would have given you what a Robert Downey Jr. gave you in a more unexpected interpretation of the character. Whereas I feel like Dane Cook would have been their perfect moldable boy. They could have made him the cap of their dreams and it would have been not my thing. Um, I, I, I got to give it to John. So, you know, uh, I almost like I'll, I'll go on this a little bit, but like I'm voting for John too. So, um, you know, he wins, but I think you are a little mistaken who knows what would have happened in the years where this was being cast, but John Krasinski is Jack Ryan. Now John Krasinski, uh, took the, the, took the, you know, steroids they told him to and shows up and says the lines. He is exactly who you are talking about. He is basically playing another captain America. But 10 years point. ago, he wasn't that guy. Uh, th that is no. the point that you're making. I don't 100% know if I agree with it. Well, um, more than anything, I wonder what would have happened to the office if he became that guy because we yeah. saw like a a a lower tier of it with Chris Pratt because he yeah. wasn't the lead of Parks and Rec and he wasn't the lead of and he wasn't the leader of the MCU in any way. So it wouldn't be the same as Jim from the office becoming Captain America. So much about that would have such a fascinating uh, influence on pop culture, I think. I completely agree. I think by the time they were shooting this, it would have disrupted maybe a little bit of the, yeah, like this would probably hit about the time the office gets weird anyway. So yeah. does it super matter? I don't know. Uh, and then for the last season, two seasons, Jim is like weirdly away for a lot of it because John Krasinski is too famous. So, you know, it might not have changed that much, but I think it is funny that, He's another Boston boy, um, you know, who yeah, more wow. comedy known 
um, but I think responds very well bodily to what you need to do to act in a role like this. I will also say I would have loved for them to really not go the Aryan super soldier route for MCU cap. And I think John Krasinski exactly as he looks, you know, not dying his hair blonde, not really doing anything else could have been a really interesting way to be like the all American guy, but not the one that is like gloriously Aryan. Not this bleach blonde bimbo that we got here in the middle. I got to say, looking at this image was the first time I understood how the zipper worked on this chest, by the way. I want this jacket so bad. Oh, yeah. It's that it's that little diamond thing is where the zipper is. So cute. And I just want to say to Jonah's point of uh, Yas for respect for acting. (laughs) Let's get yes. And in here, you know, that's literally what we wound up getting with Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds. And so I think when you're talking about Dane Cook for Cap, you are talking about a world where Marvel saw Dane Cook as a Ryan Reynolds and Captain America as such a poorly understood character that you could have Deadpoolized him at the time. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And we definitely got two for John. Kevo, was your official vote John or Dane? Yeah. Uh, it would be interesting, but less interesting than Clivo, and definitely going John Krasinski. Let's do it. John. All right. Oh, now, man. Dominic Purcell versus David Duchovny as Bruce Banner. This is tough because unlike some of, you know, not that I've, you know, been definitively against TK's aging argument, but for me, this is the first time where the actors have nothing in common age-wise. Even if they are the same age, which I don't think is possible, um, I feel like, hey, Tasty Cake, right? Even if it's not that they are, even if they are the same age, I associate David Duchovny with 1992, and I associate Dominic Purcell with like 2007. So I automatically see these men at very different ages. And it is unfortunate that Dominic Purcell has that I'm ready to get in the fight. Like, you know, one of my favorite things is when people are like, you always look so masculine until you open your mouth. And like, I never know what to make of that comment, but it's true. And, um, (laughs) and I feel like that's actually the case with the Hulk. You know, the Hulk is all rage and it's this cool idea to see a big buffed out Hulk, but Bruce Banner doesn't need to be big and buffed out to sell that. And while I think Dominic Purcell does have a ton of range, it's tough because I think the problem is David Duchovny has three modes, and I don't think any of them involve Bruce Banner. I don't think any of them come even close to oh, Bruce come Banner. come on. You don't see a track uh, from Mulder to Bruce? No, I do not see a direct line from a warm, good-natured man to the hideous monster that is Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner is darker than the Hulk, and I don't see that kind of, I literally don't care if you live or die, coming from David Duchovny that I see from Bruce Banner and so it's tough. I don't see David Duchovny regularly. You know that's not how they portray him in the films. But and has th- never been and is never going to be. And I completely understand that. But we're also talking about the possibility of de-Aryanizing Captain America, which we knew they were never going to do. They were going right. to make him blonde and blue-eyed. Right. So I'm and just I saying. do also agree that I'm not sure I feel that David Duchovny is capable of the levels of anger, like, like true serious anger the way that we've seen them portray it through even bruce not just the hulk i i really do hear where nico's coming from on that 
You know, and I, I hear, you know, Jonah basically saying, you know, he hears Bruce and can only think Batman. Give it to the X-Files guy. I see yeah. Robbie saying, give it to Mr. X-Files. Tori giving multiple opinions saying it's all the David. I I just think they've gotten the Hulk wrong every step. They've gotten Bruce yeah. Banner wrong every step. And if I have this choice of who can I recast... I just don't see David Duchovny as my my Bruce Banner where I would take him. Um, but I also don't know that I think Prison Break is anybody's uh, best acting reel. Um, first of all, I was gobsmacked when you said 2007 because I was like, no, Prison Break's like 99. Uh, but nope, it is absolutely 2005 to 2007. 2005. Uh, wow, I thought I was at least still in high school, but nope, that's just out. Wow. Yep. Um, I honestly, for all I'm arguing for Duchovny, I he was never going to get my vote. Um, I first off, I'm down for on. Oh, by the way, uh, person, what? I actually just want to say, um, the name Bruce used to be an insult that meant you were a homosexual, and it wasn't until the popularization of Batman as yep. Bruce Wayne that de-emphasized the gay quality of the name Bruce. And um, so that's David, part of why they changed it on the TV show. And there also is like always writes things and somebody owns this and somebody owns that. And you have to be yeah. careful of this and right. that. And there could have been somebody named Bruce Banner or it could have been enough people that they legally couldn't use it. There, It, it is a thing like that. It's not just that they didn't like it. It's that there was a problem using the name Bruce Banner. I used to know what this was. And so for a million reasons, they went yeah. with David Bruce Banner. And now it's actually his name. Yeah. And uh, um, Dominic Purcell is 53. Mark Ruffalo is 55. Uh, David Duchovny is 63. So... I, you know, I'm, these aren't ageist arguments. It's more like, um, I think we all, even at the time of Iron Man one thought we would be getting a trilogy of films maybe. So like, it's going to take 10 years. Uh, and in which case these ages d do matter, you know, now we're talking yeah. to everybody. I'm like, cast them when they're 10 years old. Cause they have to do this for the next 60 forever. Years. This is your life. So we better we get them while they're young. Um, so, you know, given the option age does play a bit of, of a factor. <laughs> yes. Um, I do love David Duchovny. I do think David Duchovny could give me a really interesting Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner in particular uh, is can be whatever you want. Um, there are some amazing mm. Hulk runs. Nobody cares. Uh, at this point, honestly, guys, nobody cares about anything in the comics when they're making the movies. We're all so worried about all this X-Men stuff and, like, you know, they're starting to pitch the first X-Men film and we're talking about all the films that they might use for it. They don't care about any of our ideas and what we love from the comics and all the great character growth and arcs we've seen. They're like uh, algorithms. Yeah, they like, they like money. They like algorithms. They like what tests well. Um, so, you know, in my mind... Bruce Banner in the MCU being like a Mulder-esque guy feels fully plausible. Uh, that said, I think David Purcell gives me more the guy who also has to play the CGI Hulk. Like, yes. who has to have a billion dots on his face and then emote yes. anger. Um, Drax. He'd be a great Drax. 
he would also be a very good Drax. Yes, uh, which we've got. Wait, so who are you? So who are you guys voting? I'm confused. Uh, we're both David Purcell. Okay. No. No, I'm I'm not I'm not Dominic Purcell. I'm not. I I or Dominic Purcell. You're not. I, I'm torn. I I don't know. Kevy, you went with David. No, I don't know. I thought you were definitely Dominic. That's why I was confused. I think David's oh, man. a better actor, so I think I got to get stuff. Okay. All right, <laughs> Dominic Purcell, and I'm going to give it to Dominic Purcell just because I think David's too old and funny. Uh, yeah, you know, and I'm gonna, I, I was going because I thought you were saying Dominic, I was going to throw in my protest vote for David. Uh, because, you know, I, obviously, we would all be fascinated to see David Duchovny as Bruce Banner and um, the Hulk, obviously. But uh, end of the day, cards on the table, I think if we're talking about who we think would actually stick the landing better. Yeah. All right. All so right. it's going to Dominic because he's got two votes. Though I see everybody from Jonah to Robbie to Tori to Tasty, they're all going David. And uh, guys, I I'm 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 voting Dominic, but I love David Duchovny so much. So like, and I I know Nico and Kevo do too. Like we all love David Duchovny. It's we just realistically we fell in love with him like the rest of the country watching Californication. I hate you. So <laughs> and frankly, who needs it a little bit more? Yeah, exactly. We're really trying to boost some careers in this alternate timeline we're putting together. As Tori points out, since most of the comic community is redhead characters, uh, David looks great next to small redheads, just saying. There you go. Speaking of redheads, not small. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to get, get right ahead of this one. Even though he is apparently a complete and total garbage person, uh, I, right off the bat, no hesitation, it's Kevin McKidd. Yeah, Kevin McKidd versus Daniel Craig as Thor. This is not even a, a question for me. Who was pushing for Daniel Craig for Thor? Honestly, Loki, maybe Odin. Odin, maybe one hundred percent. I think. I think well, Anthony Hopkins. I think Anthony Hopkins is a little too old and not. Never. They really try. God love him, and I love Anthony Hopkins. You know, we did a lot about Silence of the Lambs last week. Um, he never appears like he is going into battle one of the uh, things i noted when i read that they were looking at kevin mckay is that that's when they were talking about involving the donald blake persona right and so i thought you know gray's anatomy Doctor, interesting yeah but i wonder if gray's anatomy new orleans family burn unit i wonder if when they were thinking about having it be dual personas if they were even considering it being so extreme that the war could be played by a different actor and maybe yeah. Daniel Craig would have been playing Thor and I could see him as like playing a wizened God warrior, but I couldn't see him like having a love moment with Natalie Portman or whoever no. she, Jane Foster would have been played by, but no, 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 no. Maybe an appropriately aged Natalie would, but like Natalie Portman, Jesus. Um, you know, Daniel Craig, um, you know, really, as Jonah says, I cannot help but see Daniel Craig as Thor 007 trying to throw a hammer at people. It would be automatically, I just see him in those little, that little bathing suit coming out of the water going, have at thee, have at thee. Um, and, you know, if I, could just I will. Put, uh, right? if I could just put a thing out there, Stanley was many things, right? Uh, Stanley Leibowitz was a brilliant man and an incredible creator and a tremendous businessman. 
but one thing he was not was an authority on Norse mythology. <laughs> so when he decided that all Norse people spoke some sort of Shakespearean, Victorian, Middle English hybrid and just decided that Thor says, have at thee, we really sort of forgot that he's Norse. And we got this weird interpretation of all Vikings as sounding sort of British. And this has somehow proliferated pop culture. And uh, I think that might be the only reason anybody would want Daniel Craig as Thor, the voice and the accent, because as Robbie says, uh, who the hell wanted uh, Daniel Craig? I got to give this to uh, Kevin McKidd, and I yeah. don't think I know who the Kevin McKidd he is. Um, this is another one. Keep in mind, Thor comes out 2011, so they're probably filming it 2009. That photo of Daniel Craig in the bathing suit is from like 2006. Um, so when they're starting to think about casting this, he's feeling real right. Real on. real full in the booty. Yep. Uh, 2022 or 2020. I don't think he's looking so great for love and thunder. God bless the guy. Are you kidding, uh, kidding me? Jonah, yeah, no. uh, if you're going to make jokes like this, you better throw your camera on and get on the show because I'm not just going to allow this in text. Um, Kevin McKidd, for what apparently a garbage person he is, uh, is like, I think, looks more like what I would want for Thor than Chris Hemsworth does. Um, he would also make me feel very safe if he was what the bouncer looked like at the club. Yeah. He is a he's a real big thick dude. Uh, he's always been that kind of big, you know. Chris Hemsworth's body is never gonna recover from what he has done to it to be Thor, and then lied to us all that it's all natural. Just sign up for his workout program, guys. Don't sign up for that. The secret Center. is HGH. It's not doing more crunches. Kevin uh, McKidd is only six foot. Jesse Williams is an inch taller than him. Now I don't know how I feel about Kevin McKidd anymore. Well, Ooh, now talk it's all about over. special burns unit. Are you Kevin McKidden me? <laughs> this is, we can't allow this to become a thing. Oh, wait, I thought um, this was Thor, not the Punisher. How dare I'm you. I'm not Thor, it just hurts. I can't have these puns anymore. All right, I'm giving it to Kevin McKidd. Yeah, we're uh, giving it to him anyway. Sorry, I love Dan. Him. You Take will be a family burns unit. Um, now I do just want to mention, uh, since we Women! just passed, since we Sorry, just passed uh, Thor. Now, Kebo, I don't know if you had uh, slides for the people who didn't make the list. No, I'm sorry. but I just want to mention a couple of the people who um, shout out to shout out to Mark Ruffalo, the original first choice for Bruce Banner, and then they went with Ed Norton instead. So, uh, you know, interesting choice yeah. there. There were a few alternates that we didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I made all these other lovelies, so I didn't have a chance to make uh, slides for these rejects. But uh, some of the more interesting ones that I found were uh, first choices for Rhodey and Bruce being Don Cheadle and Mark Ruffalo. So essentially it's a Bryce Dallas Howard and Twilight situation where they just ended up with the choice they wanted anyway. I'm so Suck glad it. that's in her IMDb. Star um, Wars director Bryce Dallas Howard. Twilight. Uh, they looked at Liam Hemsworth for Thor. Or I think he auditioned, and they were like, "No, we want the big one." And uh, everyone, the third teen... sad brother out of this, leave him out. And then uh, everybody's uh, teen butt fantasy. Ryan Philippi was in the running for Captain America, 
would, I would you have taken been, him over? Uh, I was gonna say it would have been a too obvious home run. That's why we left it out. Uh, the problem is, uh, I I kind of I don't think that's the case. He's such a fucking sleazeball. <laughs> he's yeah, gorgeous yeah. though, and I uh, I think he's another one who, I think he would have signed up for the role just for the personal training. Um, and for the you know, reinvigorated career, for the making exactly. of the magazine covers and saying, I'm doing this at 45 the same way I did it at 25. And exactly. instead of going this way, doing it at 55 too. But he is a huge piece of shit, and I'm sure the casting directors could smell that. If and... even Reese Witherspoon was like, I can't do this. Do you know who she is? Do you know who she is? Do you know who Reese Witherspoon is, as she would like to say to cops? Yeah. Neither of them is actually America's sweetheart, people. So, but um, we do have some sweethearts here women. for us. We got some women. There's actually women in this series. Did you know? So, women I, in the mix. I need to start out with if you're wondering, I would cast Natalie Portman as Batman, Robin, and the Joker. <laughs> I would have them all reenact Death in the Family for me. I don't think. Yeah. Natalie Portman can do a goddamn thing wrong. She might be the best actress of all time. I Barbara so Gordon, much. Natalie Portman would have been great. Ugh. I just don't care. I would blind myself. And I have felt this way since I am like 10 years old. I was the only person who was like, no, she was great in Phantom Menace. You're all idiots. Uh, my obsession with Natalie Portman goes back a very long time. It is one of my longest like, relationships with a woman. I love her. I wish she would do more stupid things and take herself a little less seriously. Like, like, like when Sandra Bullock was on too many episodes of the George Lopez show, I wish she was a recurring character on Fuller House. I, (laughs) that's that's what I want from Natalie Portman more than anything else. Yeah. I want Natalie raps, Natalie, not, yeah, not severe Natalie. I agree. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't think uh, this is the role where she ends up being funny. Um, well, because, you know, uh, they gave, uh, 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 I keep forgetting her name, the beautiful black Jewish trans person on the screen in the middle. What's her name again? Scarlett Johansson, Scarlett right. Um, I, I uh, you know, they gave her so many funny lines. You know, I feel like they even were like, mm, we're giving her a little sass. And they were, it was always just this so stupid. And she's never at, like, I just, women really were not well loved by the MCU until this, these most recent couple phases. And like, even then, you know, the fact that we got such a watered down, unhappy Cersei when the Cersei, the comic character, is just eight levels of cunt that Gemma Chan is immediately ready to serve. And instead she's just like, mm, I don't know. But like, then we get she Hulk. So we know that there are people in the office that understand that like women can be fucking hilarious and have fun. Uh, and I really do think that past that second Iron Man movie, Black Widow would have been a really good character to be a little bit funny, to have some moment where she's like, we're all going to die someday. I just want to laugh a little bit. Like, I want to do something stupid. I want to do something fun. I don't think Scarlett Johansson would have been the best person to carry that out. But I actually do think Natalie Portman in that role 
told to like have some fun it i i you know kevo you said it like natalie portman rapping you know say something about the prequels bitch is hilarious is she really is capable of comedy she doesn't use it that much and i think i don't believe they would have made it happen but in my dream when we're casting AUs. Uh, I love this idea and I'm still so fixated on Emily Blunt and John Krasinski as the two worst heterosexuals in Marvel comics, Reed Richards and Sue, that I don't ever want anything but that. But I think this variation would have been so fascinating and I wonder how it would have affected the storytelling of the films to have Captain America and Natasha married in real life. Yeah. That's not an out of realm. No, because they almost did. It. You know, they were test ballooning it when they're talking in Cap Two yep, exactly about his dates. Yep, you know that they were like, if the audience says, "Well, why didn't she speak up and say that she would date him?" Uh, then they were gonna, they were gonna try that one out. But I don't think any of us really cared about Scarlett Johansson and Chris because that's just two hot people smashing their bodies together. But like if the chemistry between John Krasinski and Emily Blunt is real, that might've actually made for a very interesting thing for that. I still really would prefer them as, you know, the, the garbage fantastic four couple. And I just want to remind everybody that, you know, Natalie Portman has accomplished everything she has. And when she was in Harvard, uh, she snorted all that. Yay. She, okay. Every test. Um, she drank I, every day. I think that at the end of the day, no matter what, we definitely need to see the Krasinski family as a Fantastic Four family in the film. I don't yeah. know if we will end up with them as our main Fantastic well, family. Apparently we're going to like, find out really soon. It's what we hear. That's what they're saying. Once the that strikes guy's, clear up, the they have the cast. But we shall see. So did the we... Has been my vote My vote is for Miss Hirschlag. As is mine. Oh, so you guys voted Natalie. That is yeah, correct. I, Natalie I, I no, I'm very it. surprised. Natalie I, Portman is the finest so actress things. of her generation. I do she say. Is, she so is a things. Meryl Streep with her hair pulled far tighter. Okay. So we are cutting Emily Blunt and going with uh, Natalie Wood. Though I need to say that Natalie Blunt, Natalie Blunt, gotta go. <laughs> I could use a Natalie Blunt. Um, I do think Emily Blunt's Yelena Belova to Natalie Portman's Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Johansson, yeah. Natalie Portman's Ooh, um, Black Widow, Black Widow yeah. would be a beautiful compliment. It'd be, or, it would be different because they would not be big sister, little sister. Right, they'd be sisters. Yeah. If Emily Blunt had been cast as Natasha. I don't. I never know how to say her first name, but Shershaw Ronan, Shershaw Ronan, that lady, yeah. she was in the running for Yelena. Yes, so which was a, she another one. Of Yelena to Emily yep. Blunt, uh, Natasha. If that is how that had gone. Yep, I like that. Uh, but in All this right. case, Natalie. Uh, now we got to find somebody else for Jane Thor, which you know, maybe we can pick a terrible actor who deserved to be disrespected the way you were in that role. Poor Natalie. And uh, because some of these uh, spider roles are so interesting, we actually doubled up on both Black Widows and Spider-Man. And so we have two other potential Black Widows here that were in the running because there were always a lot of people for these uh, characters. It's the Invisible Woman and it's NSYNC's Yoko Ono. 
So we have Jessica Alba versus Jessica Biel. And I hope that is how the media starts referring to her. Truly, you are the worst for saying that. Um, um, I think this is an absolute no fucking brainer. If you Dark Angel, of course, ever watched Dark Angel with your two eyes and you cannot see Jessica Alba as the Black Widow, I cannot help you. And I also want to throw out there, if you have not watched Dark Angel find with it, your two find eyes, it right the fuck now. Google it while continuing to watch this show till the end. So so oh. stupid and so fun and so good and so bad at the why same Why is there time. a Pontiac Aztec in the dystopian future, people? Who can and why say? Are, all male supporting characters are vaguely interchangeable. It's no mm -hmm. big deal. Just yep. deal with the future. It's so good. Jensen Ackles reference. Uh, <laughs> I was That's actually so going to mention putting him in the mix because he was up for Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. So he's been a few things then, huh? Yeah. Wait, Jonah. Interesting. I'm sorry. So Jonah asks, isn't that the main villain of Final Fantasy VII? And I just want to make sure which character did I say was generational trauma? Generational trauma is the bad guy of Final Fantasy VII. Everybody is wounded by the fact that they're conscripted into war. Anyway, um, so... Really, really, truly, Tori, by the way, she says Jessica Biel on the center. I believe you mean Jessica Biel from Seventh Heaven. Like, that that can't be said enough. And Jessica Biel in The Illusionist? Is yeah. that... No, Prestige. No, no, The Prestige no, is the other one. She's in yeah. The Illusionist with yeah. Ed Norton. So... Yeah. One of the things that I specifically wanted to do with a lot of the actors that I did end up choosing, because a lot of these people have multiple choices, but I wanted to choose uh, people that have really interesting connections throughout the MCU, like John Krasinski, not just because of Emily Blunt, because then he did play Mr. Fantastic in a capacity, could again, we don't know. Um, and Jessica Alba, again, uh, such an interesting one where she played sue storm and they were still yet looking at her the same way that they had looked at uh chris evans who had already played johnny, johnny. storm and it's just and, well which is just a beal was in blade trinity and yeah. i don't want to discuss yes! that she oh played my god her. no please don't it's a terrible film heat. but uh hannibal king you know like that's a you know blade trinity at least has some like legitimate characters it's so fascinating how many of these actors circle around these properties yeah. so much um and it's it's also funny that like the, the other films truly meant nothing to marvel studios that was trying to make these movies they did in no way care that jessica alba was recognizable as sue storm doesn't matter we're building a whole new franchise we're never getting these properties back how could we ever fox can't sell them to us we can't pay for them nobody could have enough material on rupert murdoch that could finally back him into a corner <laughs> because it needs to be underlined in a post no way home world yeah. that it is a different perspective now now if they do something like that it's ha ha wink isn't this right. funny and great right. but at the time it was actually giving a middle finger to the fantastic four if, movies and saying yeah, we don't we're guessing care. you're not making another one if the rumor so, about the female lead in in deadpool 3 is true i am literally at my emotional limit for excitement if the rumor for the female lead of deadpool 3 is true jessica beale a couple of electric nachos. Oh, huh. yeah, I've heard that Mama oh. might be making an appearance. Is yeah. it going to be Jen and uh, Elodie? Just Jen Garner. Just Jen, oh. yeah. 
if no one cares about Ellery, really Sorry, is Electra in Deadpool, like the rumors are saying, huh? Uh, her Electra off of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is my Larry Hama dreams come true. Yeah, yeah. I forgot this point, Tori. Thank you for reminding us that it's two Johnny Storms that are in the MCU. Killmonger. Oh, is Johnny yeah, Storm. That's right. He's Johnny Storm. Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's good stuff. Great catch. If only we'd gotten that guy from the 1994 movie. I um, know. You mean oh where God. Harmony from Buffy played a young Sue Storm? True. Yep. Oh. Fact check. So. So right. uh, we voted yes. Jessica Alba, right? We voted Jessica You're... Alba in an yeah, instant, I mean, but yeah. then took some time to talk about these two. Kevo, you were in the mix on this too. You, you didn't have a protest yeah. vote for the worst uh, Hamden child? No. No, Hamden works. Uh, is she the worst one? It is a race to the bottom. Uh, it is a race to the bottom. Lucy. Simon is the worst one. Lucy is the worst one. Uh, Lucy is the best one. The twins. Ruthie is the best one. Oh, sorry. Ruthie's uh, the worst one. Ruthie's, yeah, you're right. Ruthie is I'm the so best sorry, one. I'm so sorry, guys. Lucy We're the restarting most... this show as It's a seventh heaven. It was a bracket just podcast. rating all of the people on seventh heaven. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jessica Alba, here we go. Um, it is my least favorite Anna and my most favorite Allison. Really? Uh, I never knew that about you. And I, look, I love being, I love being your partner, but I... You really don't love Anna Kendrick? I have a okay, personal, personal has, problem with uh, Anna Kendrick. Tori has a point about Seventh Heaven that we have to share. No, no. Wait, yeah, that, okay. Actually, the dad, yeah, the dad I would like to make a point. We were, we the, the dad, joke. the mom's not great either. If you take, no, she, the mom is Catherine Hicks and she's a fucking national gift. Um, Where did she go in the future of Star Trek? Where is she? If I may. Um, actually, Seventh Heaven is a show about being trialed by Satan. And in that regard, the dad is just Satan. So it's no big deal. Um, no, this actually for me is asking to pick between two of my favorite young women actresses that I saw grow up into phenomenal, capable, incredible adult actresses uh, for one of my favorite characters in all of Marvel Comics. I mean, Sharon Carter would go in my top 50 easily. Um in comics she is just one of the greatest characters of all time ever and uh this is a, an unfair ask and i have to give it to allison brie because i have seen allison brie act the fuck off the entire cast of mad men something that i've never seen john ham do once no matter how many sausages he smuggles between his cheeks so i really got to give it to allison brie on this one who is just truly one of the most talented things to grace a television screen ever. Thanks, Philo Fonzler. Allison Brie, the baller who could have acted the pants off everyone on Mad Men and personally chose community instead. Like, good for you, girl. Boopy doop sex. You nailed it. Uh, she is one of the funniest parts of community. Annie is great. Uh, Do you want to vent your Anna Kendrick grievances, though? You sounded pretty mad. I can't uh, literally imagine anyone thinking anything, but Anna Kendrick would be like the coolest best friend I've ever had in my entire life. And all I would no, want to do is support she her. Sucks. Uh, she, she seems kind so of obnoxious. Mean. She I get it. So mean and horrible to be around. Uh, Coincidentally, she, you both look dumb today. And uh, yeah. And she gets away with saying stuff like that because she's five foot two, just like you get away with saying stuff like that because you're six foot one and handsome. But you know what? If she was really frumpy and she said all the things she said, 
she would not get away with jack shit. But because she's pretty, but not too threateningly pretty, because she looks like a chipmunk. I haven't left the bubble. She can say anything. And I think Anna Kendrick knows how that feels. She uh, is a Portlander, and we uh, had two specific friends in common that meant that we were at a lot of the same parties. Wait, Anna, Anna Kendrick? Was? Yes. That's insane. I have never heard of your city before in my life, and now it's all I hear about. Oh, you know, there, wait, but did you know there's a Portland, Pennsylvania? No, get out of here. We're not talking about that. And so, right, your story. Canadensis. Your story. Uh, she's just super mean. Like, she's just, was not fun to be around. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just um, the most disappointing thing in the world was going to see Twilight in theaters and uh, discovering that she was there. Anna Kendrick. You could have stopped that sentence earlier. Tori Sheehan says, Anna Kendrick is getting away with shit we turned against Mindy Kaling for. 100%, if not worse. And like, has never, nobody has once been like, Oh, I went up to her. She was so nice. Oh, I served her at a restaurant. She was so nice. Oh, I was super drunk and doing keg stands in front of her, and she definitely didn't call me a gay slur. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I would let Allison Bree call me a gay slur, though. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If I was doing cake stands in front of her and she said it, I would have laughed and been like, we're friends, even if she thought we weren't. But not you, Anna Kendrick. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I'm also voting voting for Allison Breeze. So we Allison be Breeze, Sharon Carter. But if I can just say that Sharon Carter is maybe cast by one of the few women that if, oh my God, if Emily Van Camp is watching this right now, I will divorce my husband and marry you in an instant right now. He's right He's right over there. He's right I'm there. I'm saying this, this openly. Is, this is how serious the sacrifice I am, is. I am so goddamn in love Ooh, with you. It gets stuck I get in my her throat. husband funny teeth. Ooh. Mm, I get uh, funny teeth. Yeah, so I, I'm fine with this situation now. This is an incredibly cast role, uh, an exquisite character, and I can only hope that they finally give her the due she deserves in the Marvel Universe in this upcoming run. And I really appreciate what Tori said here, specifically that Anna can't not do quirky I she it's not that she can't do any amount of serious at all, but she can do like glee levels of serious. She can't do the way Allison Brie genuinely delivered so much human emotion on Mad Men, on Community, in life, on so, Glow. Yeah. I know so many people that say Glow, yeah. the Netflix series, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, is absolutely a tremendous tribute to the industry. So, got to give and, it up for Glow. An interesting thing is uh, Sharon. Um, basically is such a waste of a character because whether it's Emily Camp or uh, Van Camp. Yes. Um, I always get her and Anna Camp confused. Yeah, um, that's fair. Or Alice. Anna Kendrick. Exactly. You have amazing actresses who could have done a lot for like an action role and this role that really could have been a huge action role that nothing happens with for no reason like even at the tail end of falcon and winter soldier she just gets like a little bit of action and it's done uh with the addition of so much character assassination it's like almost not worth it mm. i'm glad jonah's not on this episode because i would just be making faces at him because he's just uh he's just killing it in the comments section uh was that a pitch perfect joke 
<laughs> so um anyway we're giving this one to allison brie allison brie who is and then uh, now we have like the one outlier we have an interesting category here yeah. yes we do so um what we what i discovered that i found most fascinating while we were doing the research for this episode was specifically how many times one miss jessica chastain had to specifically turn down being in the MCU. So instead we are saying, which role would you rather have seen <laughs> Jessica Chastain in? Yep. And this doesn't even include, she was in the first place offered the role of Maya Hansen in Iron Man 3. And she said, you know, no, I'm not going to be famous. A, I'm not going to be a villain. And this was probably when she was like the baller villain too, before she got watered down. So she yeah. said, no, I'm not being the villain. Then she got offered Dr. Christine Palmer and said, no, I'm not being the sidekick. And then she got Wasp and something else happened with her schedule. So she couldn't be Wasp. She didn't want to get and the fuck ass Bob. And then instead Sorry. we got Vuck. But as we've seen from this list, it won't matter for the future. So she yep, could still play matter. something else. But for uh, now, this is really difficult because I like Rachel McAdams, but I hate her as Christine Palmer. That is correct. And I don't like Evangeline Lilly and I hate her as uh, Hope. Hope? Hope. Yeah. Hope. hope I always forget it because it's so wrong that it's Hope who is our girl from MC2 who is not a good person. And meanwhile, and there I is what finish finish first there's a nadia who is a great person who is the daughter of janet who sh anyway it just makes no sense that she's hope van dyne go the baby that is born on the serpent's past in avatar the last airbender yeah. named hope emma swan's baby that she has named yeah. hope um julia wicker's baby named hope so the fact that this woman was named hope i was like if you invent a woman she's named hope that's just normal i am not that's surprised you, you so invented a woman to be a child of legacy characters of course her she's name is the hope. hope of the next yeah i only wish his name had been hope picard um uh, so... if it's a man it's usually daniel oh yeah because like yeah mm, interesting um i want to say one thing though i what? i'm with you tk except I hate Evangeline Lilly in most things while thinking she's a fine actress. Some of her political opinions really not my thing, but um, I specifically love her as Hope Van Dyne. I think the character has a lot of heart, but I'm going to say something kind of weird. I don't like Jessica Chastain and would mm. really love to see her have a chance to really, because I think she seems like a lovely person, but I have not really had an opportunity to love her in a role. And, you know, you know, Cage Club owner Joey Lewandowski is a humongous fan and uh, has told me so many incredible films I can watch her in and that she's really, truly excellent in them. Um, what a weird thing to have discussed with a person that you do a Fast and the Furious podcast with. Uh, yeah, well, because we talked about um, X-Men, uh, you know, Dark Phoenix. But the big thing here is I don't think Dr. Christine Taylor would give Jessica Chastain and Jessica's Chastain would give Jessica Chastain enough room to really develop the sort of 
acting. I would really love to see her get to showcase in a Marvel film the way I think Hope Van Dyne would give her the room to play off of Michael Douglas, to play off of ultimately Michelle Pfeiffer. And I think, yeah, you know, if you're asking me big picture, I could see a Jessica Chastain operating against somebody like a, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of who played the bad guy in um, Ant-Man 2 all of a sudden. Kang? No. Was that three? Oh, Ghost. Ghost. Yeah. I can't Uh, think of her name all of a sudden. Yeah. I don't remember her name either, but it is also um, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, but I'm imagining Jessica Chastain interacting with this young woman, giving her an opportunity to come out of this darkness. And like, I could really see Jessica Chastain shining in that role. Hannah John Kamen. Hannah John. It's one of those names that I only know because of things like the MCU, uh, for which I think she's. It's like Ruth Nega, who just doesn't get enough work. But you know, you know her if oh you've watched God, Preacher. Yes. You know her if you've watched Agents of Shield. She's just an absolute queen, and you know. There's just so many character actresses that don't get enough work, despite how many incredible performances they've given in major things like the MCU. I was also picturing Walton Goggins when you said the bad guy from Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's the dude that's after them. Oh, wow. Great catch. Yeah. I've completely forgotten that character existed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was Tori's point when I mentioned that this was one of the potential ones as well, that they had done Rachel McAdams so dirty yeah. with how little Christine had to do. It would have been worse to do that to Chastain. Hey, Taryn. Taryn is second Tori's Chastain for Sue Storm. That's not on the board, guys. No, nope. But I love you. You can't do that one. <laughs> um, Kevo, do you have thoughts specifically on this one? Well, what's the current what's the current temperature? Uh, I got to give it to uh, Hope Van Dyne, where I really think she has the room to shine. Oh, I thought, oh my gosh, you're right. We There just is no law for these. Uh, until we actually say the definitive thing, I have no idea what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. I really, I thought that whole argument was for how you don't like her, therefore she wouldn't be good for Hope, but you like her enough that she would be good for Christine. I like her so much as a potential, like I like the actress. Thank as you for doing that, Pam. Um, I like her as a a human and I like the potential I've seen and I don't think Christine Palmer gives her enough room to grow, but I do think Hope Van Dyne does. I feel like Tori understood what I was trying to say. Um, I agree with Tasty Cake. There is always room for hope. Um, Raising hope. um, No, don't don't keep naming hopes. Raising Arizona. Wait, no, that no one answered my question. What is the current temperature? So Nico said he is voting for Chastain as hope. Yes. TK, did you have a vote yet? I don't have a vote You're yet. Not sure yet. That's why, that's why I asked you. So then I'm going to put you in the position that you often put me in, where I'm going to make you be the tiebreaker, yeah. because I think Chastain as Christine would be interesting, and I wonder how it would have affected the character, because I think one of the things that always made uh, Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer such a strange thing. <laughs> is the disparity between her and Benedict Cumberbatch. And maybe it's just because we always see her as Regina George. No, but, but she's doesn't she mommy. seem doesn't she seem 20 years younger than him at times? Yes, so and I does. wonder if someone yep. who was more on the same level as Benedict Cumberbatch, if they would have expanded the role better. So I'm gonna say Chastain as Christine for the hope <laughs> that it would have pushed the character in a different direction. Here's what's absolutely fucking wild. 
she is only three years younger than Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, just, Rachel? just yeah, she's Rachel so much more famous is a thing. That's that's. I just want to say she got famous as a younger person, right? So, so we, we just have frozen her. her. Yes, but um, I think the bigger thing is that she's five times more famous than him and playing his girlfriend love interest. And not to her credit, for me, she is an actress that plays the role asked of her. So instead of shining, she chose to demure into the background. I don't think Jessica Chastain has that speed. Doctor Strange is 2016. Um, wow, he's old. Her, uh, her two big roles that we like love and know her from are 2004, Notebook and Mean Girls. Um, mean Girls. So her star has waned even by the time she's getting cast in this film. She's not a huge star. Jessica Chastain, right. meanwhile, hugely on the rise at that time. Um, but she does, yeah, have kind of a... I feel like Jessica Chastain has kind of a stature that just feels a little more... like, And maybe I'm talking like literal physical height, like literally at eye level with Benedict Cumberbatch and just feels a little bit less like... He's talking down at her the whole time. Uh, Hold on. My boyfriend is stepping yeah. out of line because yeah. I have something in common with his mother and think that the Sarah Jessica Parker Thanksgiving spectacular. Oh, my God. That is the Where she drops the fucking egg. One dish. of the best <laughs> holiday movies ever created. What the hell is this? The history of the world. I don't oh know my why. God. This is like liking a white Christmas more than Holiday Inn. The breast scene? The family stone. Oh. Who even is this family? Craig it's, it's T. Nelson? Jessica Parker movie? Yeah, hot, hot Craig T. Nelson before I knew he was a crazy conservative. Um, I I will die on this hill. The family stone is a family classic. Uh, excellent film. I actually do think it's an excellent film coming from a family that is very difficult to break into. Um, yep. I don't they, even hate it. It's just, what is this hill that you're yeah, like? It's, it's, a, it is a weird, it's a weird hill for uh, Jonah and Nico to have taken up on. Together. It is the second best Sarah Jessica Parker film ever. Made. Brother versus uh, brother. When will the madness end? That is nonsense right out the gate. That is a non-starter thing to say. <laughs> Um, I'm like off the top of my head thinking of already four different films that are better than Family Stone for Sarah Jessica Parker, I... including basically all three Sex in the City films. Wait, where'd you get a third one from? Oh, there isn't the third one, is there? No, it's just in your heart. And that yeah. one's good. And that one makes the trilogy good. Yeah. I love that one too. Oh, no. You know no, what the third what? one is? You know what the third what? one is? It's Hocus and Pocus. Just like yeah, can I be honest with you? Hocus Pocus, the number one Sarah Jessica Parker movie ever made. Yes, um, that is number one. You know what? And I'm going to cut this tangent off in one second, but let's be real. <laughs> We're going to get a third Sex in the City movie at this point. It's yeah. going to be the series finale, and yeah. even if it's a TV movie, yeah. it'll be, it, it's going to happen. So let's just, just stop being just like, like, no. Dot, 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 sex in the City. And uh, just like this. <laughs> just like this. And even if we don't count the Sex in the City films, uh, Mars Attacks would come before Family Stone. It's uh, my favorite movie from childhood. Hocus Pocus, Mars Attacks. That's two right there. So already you're wrong. Mannequin. So um, back to the woman of the hour. Uh, as, Sarah Jessica Parker, who loves um, the subway. They called her on Between Two Ferns, Jessica Chest Stain, and I've never laughed harder in my life. Um, yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker is not even the best Woody Allen. Um, 
Oh man. All right. So it's got to go to the character with meat, not the character who we meet. I basically think I will love you no matter what you do. Thank you. Um, I, I want to say Christine because of high hopes, but I just know when she's getting cast and where we are, she's not going to become the night nurse. You know, if that's Rosario Dawson, and I wish either character had become a superhero-esque type of character at the level of the other people in her <laughs> realm. What? If Jessica what? Chastain became Night Nurse and then became Ahsoka, I have to go! Get out of my house. Um, I'm giving it to uh, Hope Van Dyne. I should punish uh. you, but I am. I'm giving it to Hope. All right. Now we got to move faster through this next round. All right. All right. Oh, right. We do this first. I completely forgot. I think John Krasinski offers us a glimpse at the what if that is the sort of the source of all what ifs. Yeah. The possibility of his Reed Richards became so significant that Marvel reacted to what is essentially uh, just a gathered rumor. Now, gathered rumors in Hollywood tend to be, you know, somewhat true. But this pushed Marvel into an uncomfortable position where they had to give fans what they wanted in some capacity. I think the potentiality of John Krasinski only being realized in such a short form in the, you know, the couple of scenes he had in Multiverse of Madness certainly outweighs my interest in more from Justin Hammer's Sam Rockwell. Not that Sam Rockwell isn't super talented, but I would be really more excited to see what John Krasinski could have brought long term to the Marvel Universe. Um, and I think the fact that we got uh, Sam Rockwell's Justin Hammer is literally them being like, oh, what if he was Iron Man? <laughs> what if he's yeah. bad Iron Man? Right. So, you know, much more interesting to go with John Krasinski. That's two. But Kevo, you got any thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with the team. All right. Well, okay, but Tori, please remember to keep voting as we're going. We'll yeah, just, just keep scream yeah. things. Just, just keep shouting. Yeah caps and as many letters as possible wow this is two guys that are both so hot that i would consider letting them think they could commit the hate crime to chat you know to trap them in bed um geez dominic purcell as hulk or kevin mckitt as thor i gotta be honest between the two of them dominic purcell really seems like he's got a little bit more poetry in those eyes he seems a little bit more like he was really moved by the words of uh tupac shakur as a young man and has been writing his own poetry where kevin mckidd looks like his idea of poetry is there once was my dick from nantucket so i think i have to give it to dominic purcell Uh, and i will be giving it to kevin mckidd episodes over thank you everybody three things No, I'm also with my kid. Uh, I get a lot of the things you're saying about uh, being interested with uh, Purcell, but nah, yeah, yeah. If you've Down ever to the seen, wire, love this for me specifically. If you've ever seen my general taste in angry-looking men, Dominic Purcell does check that a little bit more. And since I just don't have as much familiarity with Kevin McKidd's work, it just sort of defaulted. Thank you for that generous reminder that I need to make you watch 19 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Hey, you know what? I'll do it. Uh, it turns out that six seasons of Glee is one of the best decisions I've ever made with my time ever. I'm going to tell you right now, it would not be the same for Grey's Anatomy. I, I don't never care. You're just special. So, um, all right. You're asking me to pick between my absolute, like seriously, my favorite actors of her generation and uh, 
you know, Mexican Sue Storm. And that's not fair because I really well, love so Jessica Alba. Let's stop for a second here. What we're talking about is in this case, again, who's playing the better Black Widow? And oh, oh okay. No, then it's Natalie Portman. Jesus I forgot this was the same corset. I forgot what this was the, the same character. No, Natalie Portman can literally do anything. I don't understand. Natalie Portman could play a young Meryl Streep playing Natalie Portman. What don't you understand? I love Natalie. I even, though I don't I... like her like you do and thought she was wrong for Jane and for Mighty Thor, loved her as, <sighs> as Mighty Thor. I came around on her so hard. For me, I know. <laughs> for you specifically. You came so hard for him. Came real hard. Um... It is obviously Jessica Alba is the better Black Widow. We talked about this already. She's Dark Angel. I don't know. Yes, but I do have one word for you. What? What's the word? And that word is Russian. Um, it's so I'm just rare saying. that even ScarJo has to do the accent and it never matters wait south um, american russian mexican russian i could see it okay you know she does she gives you that one yeah. boy uh in the first uh, avengers and that's basically the only time you really get much russian out of scar joe can i, I feel say, like even what can i just say that actually between the two of them if one of them is gonna sit there and really study the comics. Yeah. It, it is going to be Natalie Portman. Jessica Alba is a really beautiful person. And she wants everybody to buy her Goop Lake products. But uh, you can't convince me that she's going to read 345 issues of Black Widow. The way Natalie Portman would judge Jessica Alba for not reading 345 issues. Did we, were we Widow. ever told that she read a single issue of Mighty Thor? She actually did read the Jason Aaron run of Mighty Thor. We know that she talked about it. Okay, she's I'm very still proud voting for Jessica hammer. Alba. I still like it better. <laughs> I love that. Kevo, um, did you did you Natalie us? Well, how do we feel about this uh, thought, though, that we would lose uh, Jane and Jane Thor that we well, got in this universe? Who did we decide is Thor? Yeah, we so we've got a Kevin, Kevin McKid Thor, and then, you so know, then, like, oh my I, god. <laughs> I want Sandra O oh as Jane Thor. I was Well, I was going to say, um, hold on, I got to get her name. Oh, Kim Raver. Kim Raver, who plays his wife on Grey's Anatomy, um, who is also named Teddy Altman, because... Uh, the other Teddy Altman! Yes. Right. And I always... Yep, yeah, uh, because they're both... Uh, What's his name? Um, Ooh, uh, yeah. Okay. So, Tasty Cake. Fine I, just, I just want to give Tasty Cake this credit for having uh, a lot more knowledge about the DC EU than me. <laughs> Seeing DC, uh, you know, knowing that he's a Legends of Tomorrow villain um, is actually really sweet because Wentworth Captain Miller Coles? went through such. Yeah, please answer that. Uh, but Wentworth Miller, Wentworth I think, Miller went through such a hard time and was a character on legends of tomorrow. And it was so hard for him to come out. So seeing that Dominic Purcell would continue to support his old friend after he'd come out of the closet. That's just a really lovely thing to see. 
I mean, I suspect no. Dominic Purcell knew he was gay the whole time. I would uh, imagine anybody who's ever looked at Wentworth Miller could assume that he was yeah. a homosexual. I mean, I'm sure he was gobbling down on dicks in that trailer back in the prison break days. Sorry, Looking like that, he better be. Right, exactly. Um, okay, so... Goblin, down. just goblin him down. Uh, sorry, it was the it was the uh, head of gobbler and then the Wawa fucking gobbler thing that Kevin and me. the family stone. Don't forget. Yeah, so, true. Yes. All right, um, it's got to go to Natalie Portman, guys. Not until Kevo votes for that. Is it tied? Yes, because yes, I'm fully Alba, and I am all poor. I just I I she is my shiksa goddess. I'm gonna go with the audience on this oh, one. Wait, so I don't shiksa? have to get in trouble. Yes. I'm this. I'm Goyim. Yes, you are the Goy. I'm she Goy. And I are the chosen people? Stunning. So, Kevo, you have an opinion. You are also chosen people. So, I gave my opinion. You were talking over me, bitch. I'm so sorry. Would you please repeat it? I said that I'm going to go with what the audience said because I don't want to have to get in trouble. So uh, we're going to go with Portman. Okay. All right. You're all wrong, but that's fine. Now, here's an interesting one. Would we rather see... Um... Wait, who the fuck are they again? Uh, Allison, Allison Brie. Brie. As, oh, as, as, as Sharon Carter or right. Jessica Chastain. Um I absolutely Allison Brie is Sharon Carter. I don't have the same love of uh, Emily Van Camp that you do. Uh, I like her a lot, but it's, it's also a problem with Sharon. Like, you know, so I'm maybe hoping that uh, Allison Brie brings Sharon to life in a way where she gets the spotlight she deserves. I don't really have much hope for hope. I get that. Yeah, I'm Brie all the way. Yeah. All right. Honestly, I think it's Kevin McKidd. I don't like Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Uh, I hear it. I definitely think it goes to John Krasinski. Like I said, it's the potentiality of the, you know, the future of, Man, you know, it's the so promise. funny because you shit talked him so hard. You know, it's right. just how it works out. Which one keep, it is. Keep breaking ties. Kibbe Simon. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to keep up with how fast we're going now so I can keep flashing the stuff in the comments and have people be able to keep up with where we are in the episode. Um, a tiebreaker? Oh, no. I mean, we could hash it out more. You could convince me to change my vote on uh, Kevin McKidd. Um, no. Uh, I think I am going to probably also go with Krasinski. It just feels oh like God. a safe vote. Ooh. I'm sorry. I don't Ooh. know Kevin McKidd as well. And you guys, you guys didn't watch Rome, did you? No. No. Jeez. And so what? He's got Rome and he's got Grey's Anatomy. And what else does he have? And I think that's really that more where I'm coming from than anything. 35 years of that man's life. Leave him alone. He's working. And I'm totally giving him that he's working, but I feel like in terms of star power, I see John Krasinski come up in the media more than I see Kevin McKidd. And maybe it's because John is too busy, and that's a different problem. Yeah. All right. Um, I've made my opinion clear. Natalie yeah. Portman, until you set me on fire. And boy, do I want to right now. Let's see here. Uh, Natalie as... No, I think I'm still, um, yeah, not, I'm not voting for Natalie. Allison Bree, Kevo, break it again. 
I'm going to stick with Allison Bree, I think, especially considering the Russos were so influential Ooh, yeah. on yeah. the MCU and the Avengers. Yo. I wonder if perhaps if it had been someone they know better, yeah. if it might have been someone, she might have gotten more spotlight, like the Jessica Chastain thing. Yep. Oh, and now Tori is voting keep out to Allison Bree to keep Portman as Jane, which Portman is pretty fair. Yeah. Yep. Um, Community was, versus you know, the Office. Yes. Um, and weirdly, now I'm going back. I think uh, between these two, for me, I think it's Krasinski. I think I, uh, if I really want to change the course of the MCU, it's. I mean, it's Cap versus Sharon Carter, so like it's kind of got to be Krasinski. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty nuts that this is the two. Imagine these two as Cap and Sharon Carter. What kind of? Um... Not only uh, that, but um, two Thursday night comedy block people. I really also wonder about uh, her, Allison Brie as Peggy. Mm. Um, that would be a really great fit. Yeah, I really another thing that I really don't love is uh poor Chris Pratt or Chris Evans and Haley Atwell have no chemistry whatsoever. Um No, I mean it's the lack of chemistry that led to gay rumors, seriously. Yeah, it's it just it just that last moment you're like, "Really? He traveled back in time for I don't think they Anyway. Um Have they met? So, I uh Kevo, what's your vote? Yeah, I think I'm going to ride out Allison Bree. Okay, I really respect that. Uh, but Nico, you're you're Krasin Team Krasinski as well. So yeah, for uh, the first half, the big change is John Krasinski as Cap. Now. The second half kicks off, you know, um, let's go with weird as shit because you're being asked to pick between two people, neither of whom I can realistically see playing Star-Lord, neither of whom I can see really leading a Disney franchise. We have It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia's Glenn Howerton versus Joel Edgerton as Star-Lord. This is just, I mean, I already think that in some ways casting a guy from parks and rec was a little outside of the realm for the nature of what was going on. You know, we saw them overlook guys like John Krasinski in favor of Chris Evans, an already movie star. This is two people, neither of whom feel like movie stars, but if you're asking me who I would more enjoy seeing, which person I could imagine fucking up, stopping Thanos yeah, I could see Glenn Howerton, you know, ruining it. He is, in fact, a golden god. I also don't necessarily want to do this for every entry and not to be too spoilery, but I do want to point out to reflect off of this one, uh, the two contenders that we have in this game for Gamora, just to, for the perspective of playing off of these actors, mm. being Olivia Wilde and Amanda Seyfried. And I'm picturing either of these actors playing either off of either of these actors. And it just creates such a fascinating movie for me because I also really lean Glenn Howerton, but then I'm like Glenn Howerton opposite Amanda Seyfried. 
Yeah, you know, no. Glenn like, Howerton yeah. off off of Olivia Wilde would be perfect. Exactly. Yes, I actually, that would have been a Edgerton very too. different cool thing. So I want to throw out there that I had some real concerns. Again, this was an age thing, but Pratt, 44, uh, Glenn Howerton, 47, and Joel Edgerton, 49. Uh, nothing too crazy here. Um, okay. So Peter probably would have been like more of a teen when he was taken, maybe, if it had been Joel Edgerton. If it had been Joel Edgerton, yeah, you would have needed to either age it up or they would have had to work noticeably harder to age him down as an adult. Like they would have had to really make try and make him appear a little younger. Um, Glenn Howerton is funnier. And I think Star-Lord works better conceptually if he is actually funny. I think the problem is Chris Pratt stopped really wanting to be funny as uh, Star-Lord. He really just wanted to be another jacked Chris. And it sort of hurts the role. Um you know, he's really in the first one, he's a little bit scrappier. And even though he got into insane shape, it's very clear that he just came off of being chubby and funny and doesn't want to lose that entirely. By the second movie, he starts to border on joyless and he's just crazy jacked and trying to go hard. And it's boring. Uh, Joel Edgerton sort of gives me that vibe all the time. And I'm looking at his credits, trying to find anything where I can even conceive of laughing. Uh, And I don't see it. Glenn Howerton, of course, uh, has made me laugh so many times I've nearly cried. I do have some concerns about the guy from the implication (laughs) scene. Being Star-Lord, where the implication in space is even more frightening. Um, But I want to believe that we can let actors break out of their most iconic roles. And for that reason, I will be uh, voting with you two for Glenn Howerton. All right. So, Glenn Howerton, my friend, you are Star-Lord. Congratulations. Now, this next one really... It's so hard because Zoe Saldana isn't visually recognizable as Gamora outside of the makeup, but Zoe Saldana's Gamora is Gamora, and she is a woman of color. And that is a factor when I'm seeing these two very blonde presenting women, both of whom seem maybe a little bit like their best friend is Peroxide. But, you know, if you're asking me which one of these two women could sell an adult Gamora, uh, it's tough. Because I love Amanda Seyfried, and I wonder if it's that I think of her as Lily Kane or what, or the daughter in Mamma Mia, or... But when I think of Olivia Wilde, I think of a med student, in part because I fell in love with her on House, in part because there really is something to the name Amanda Seyfried that sounds kind of childish along with her presentation of self, whereas Olivia Wilde... It almost sounds like Oscar Wilde. She's already kind of got like this vibe to her. And it's sort I'm of a something... bisexual club owner. Yes. It's something you kind of can't miss. It's 
there's a very different way they carry themselves. Amanda Seyfried is a great fit for a trillion roles in the Marvel universe, but Gamora is such a hardened old woman. I just can't see her in the role. So Olivia Wilde. I think the other thing I'm also going to vote for Olivia Wilde. I think both of these people, I am not a house person, so I can't speak to that. Cutthroat but, bitch is one of the greatest characters in the history of fiction. Yes, you have mentioned this before. Um, I think one of the things that Zoe Saldana gave us is a bad acidness that felt natural to the character of Gamora, where I think two kind of well-to-do blonde girls really would have done this had would have had to have done something very similar to what Karen Gillan was doing and Karen Gillan really kind of hammed it up to be uh Nebula and it ended up working just for Karen Gillan and for Nebula but I think if you had had two white women covered in color changing makeup trying to do their version of Christian Bale playing Batman where they're very the serious. Yeah, I just feel like both Amanda Seyfried and Olivia Wilde would have done a voice for Gamora and then they're yelling at uh, Karen Gillan who's also doing a voice and it just would have gotten absurd. It would have been a Venture Brothers sketch. Exactly that. But of the two of them, I feel like Olivia Wilde might have to reach for it a little less and that is why she is getting my vote. Yeah, and I think, like we had said, she probably would play off of Glenn Howerton a little yeah. bit better. She'd yeah. play off of a more adult um, Peter Quill a little bit yeah. better. I don't think that Amanda Seyfried would do a poor job. And like Nico said, they both got that alien look. That's yeah. why I chose these images, because I wanted to emphasize that these women look like aliens. But uh, yeah, yeah. All right, Olivia Wilde, uh, the importance of being on house. I need to be clear. So, I, I've just I'm I'm biased in this. This one is unfair because one of them is treated as a saint, and one of them people only say really negative things about. So, but I mean, it's another one that would have broken the MCU. So that's why I was really fascinated when I saw that this was something have? that they were eyeing. Oh, I mean, it would have if yeah, if Chadwick exactly. Um, I would never have given it to Chadwick Boseman because he does not have this body type uh which is all drax has chadwick boseman there are like a dozen roles not all of them white or not all of them black that i would have been happy to see him have in the mcu like i think chadwick boseman, hey what if i i well you know great what if um i think he could have made a phenomenal doctor strange doctor strange in no way needs to be white i know they never would have cast him um but there are a lot of roles that I think black actors should be up for that are white people in the comics. And I think that should be fine. Drax is literally nothing but looks large. Um, and while you can roid yourself up to being large, it's a different thing. Uh, so it's Mama for me. What do you but mean? I wonder though, uh, you know, they built in so many things in the first movie that were backstory for Drax and emotional context. Yep. And I wonder if it had been a different actor who, instead of being a wrestler and a body, 
I wonder if they had someone with more depth, if they would have gone into a deeper area with Drax instead of just keeping him limited to I don't understand puns. Uh, I think he probably still would have been a lot like that with Jason Momoa, but I think he probably would have been a little uh, more bombastic in a lot of ways. I think my only... I like that. I see that. I like that. Um, my only concern there is um, that the team at any oh. given point... What? I... What? I'm so embarrassed. And I the O was out loud in real life. Um, Jonah wrote into... I'm so ashamed. Jonah wrote strange. I don't see an image in the center of them. What is the role supposed to be? And I messaged him privately to be like, hey, babe, I see the image. It's Drax. And I he was doing the joke from problem. when Drax says you can't see him if he's standing still. Oh, you should be embarrassed. I got that immediately. <laughs> Jonah, that's very funny. You're on fire. If you could just keep trying to stymie both of them, uh, I'll be fine. So, um, yeah, I, I love the idea of a Drax with an interesting backstory with an actor that can deal with that. The problem is, uh, the Guardians is such a large team and it's always an ensemble cast and they're mostly men anyway. Uh, we have a whole movie dedicated to Quill's backstory on top of the first movie where he really gets the majority of the time. And then in the second one, it's uh, the raccoon, who's also a dude. Uh, so the ladies get short shrift in the Guardians movies, although they're hugely important. What? Just don't forget that in the third one, um, the female raccoon is played by Hawkeye's wife. Yes, Linda cool. Cardellini, fucking queen. And I had some thoughts about getting uh, her in the mix, too. Isn't she a third character as well? She's a voice in something? Oh, she's Cosmo. Yeah. No. Wait, no. No. She's um, Cosmo, then she... No, yeah. But wait. Cosmo is a woman, but it's not her. Thank you. But she is a third role. There is like three things Linda Cardellini has done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh... You are, I, I believe you are right about that, and I'm looking it up now. Um, but I, you know, that they are the daughters of Thanos in some way means that um, Nebula and Gamora get some significant screen time, but it also means that they get really a kind of limited sort of screen time. Um, and anyway, the long and short of that being, I, while I like the idea of a good actor playing Drax, I worry about it taking away from other people uh and drax being kind of just a body uh with a couple quips sort of works and in that way i'm giving it to jason momoa and i'm not gonna like waste chadwick boseman on that i respect that it's tough for me because i have heard so many interviews with female co-stars where they're like they say a story and then in uh the interviewer's like it sounds like Jason Momoa tortured you on set. And they're like, I mean, that's Jason. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It's so, like, um, Jordan Catalano all over again. She's only has two roles in the MCU. Linda Cardellini. I'm forgetting what I'm thinking of then, but uh, she, you know, <clears throat> she, uh, it's definitely tough for me to think about Drax as anything, but uh, what we have seen on screen with Dave Bautista, but 
and it might be the unpopular vote here, but Chadwick Boseman could have maybe elevated this character to the father who's lost children, who is a a figure of hope, who is a an actual threat across the galaxy. Drax does not seem like a destroyer. He seems like a dunce. And I think perhaps either one of these actors could have given me a Drax the Destroyer that was truly frightening and threatening. But maybe Chadwick Boseman could have given it to me in a way that felt less over the top and certainly more frightening. Yeah. Oh, no. Am I a tiebreaker? Yeah. <gasps> Wait, no. Are you? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he just said that he would give Drax to Chadwick, and you said okay. you would give it to Jason. Okay. Uh, then I am just... Oh, I didn't want to be the tiebreaker on this one. I'm certainly not angry if you give it to the guy who looks like he is 246 pounds of actual beef. Yeah, and I don't care if you don't give it to him. Fuck that guy. I also want to say that, you know, as unfortunate as Chadwick's passing was, if he had been Drax instead of Black Panther, Drax probably just would have been quietly not in the third movie, and it would not have been a giant to do uh, the way that it was. I would have loved Michael B. Jordan as Black Panther. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I thought we were going straight to Jason Momoa for this, so I'm just going to give my Jason my vote to Jason Momoa for that alone. Um, okay. But, you know, I wanted to emphasize Chadwick was in the running for a reason, because, yeah, I, I really think he would have been given a very powerful performance. I don't like Drax, so I don't want to waste Chadwick Boseman on Drax. I also don't like Drax. Oh, man. And then this... I was super stoked to get to this one specifically yeah. because more than anything, holy shit. If David Tennant had played rocket raccoon, how much more would this have been the year of David Tennant? Can yeah. I make a weird substitute here? What? No matter who wins, we win because Jim Carrey's purple man would have been in that upper echelon of his dark dramatic roles. When Jim Carrey wants to fucking freak me out, he can. And his purple man, so that David Tennant could have been Rocket, would have been great. Um, that... His Rocket would have been terrific. I think they still would have cast him as purple man, but I get what you're saying. No matter who played Rocket here, we could have still had a beautiful world, but <sighs> David Tennant, I find you less attractive than the work Jim Carrey has had done in the last 10 years. Uh, the work Jim Carrey's had done keeps him that very young whose line fresh faced groundling look. And uh, David Tennant, you would do a really great job voice acting. And I would like to see uh, Jim Carrey's face a little bit more. So I'm going to give rocket to uh, uh, David. Tennant. Sorry, David. This is a tough one. Um, because this is really like, as you said, like no matter what, I win. Because boy, do I hate Bradley Cooper so much. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, why wouldn't you? Because if a hundred people in a room, but only one's looking at you, I'm the guy. I'm the one who's looking creepily. Why didn't Lady Gaga play that otter woman? I hate every decision James Gunn has ever made Truly. now because you said that. One hundred percent. Because he writes I mean, to Linda Cardellini, and we know it. 
I have so many fan castings for Lady Gaga. Uh, but um, I truly hate Bradley Cooper. So no matter what, I'm, I'm winning here. Uh, I'm the problem is I'm just hearing Hu Yang. Uh, and I'm mm. so aware of how talented David Tennant is at voice work and how much I love him for that. Uh, and I can't, uh, Kevo, you vote first because I don't want to make you tie break here and it gives me time um, to think. I'm so wishy-washy on Jim Carrey, especially because he can be so friggin' weird at times. So, and you know, David Tennant, David Tennant, David Tennant. Uh, I agree that I think they still could have cast him as Purple Man, even if he had been in... 100%. uh, Had been Rocket. I think he probably would have gone a lot more hard Scottish. Um, And I think he would have given a really, really amazing performance in this last movie. I don't know how Jim Carrey would have performed. And I don't know... like Because as it is... He dispels these rumors that he was ever in the running. I don't know if I believe him that those never happened or if he's just saying that they weren't real because Jim Carrey just is explosive and says things. Well, and also and so he probably I don't know... doesn't want to talk about it. Like if you are a great character and voice work actor, probably the last thing you ever want is people asking you knowing what you didn't do yeah right and asking you about it and being like well if you did do rocket what would he sound like who wants to hear their greatest ever role was the role they didn't get right um Uh, oh right i just remembered uh two guys that we've already said on this list mark ruffalo and don Cheadle. (laughs) there you go um so I still think I'm voting for David Tennant too. David, I really David. like Jim Jim Carrey, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's I think it's David Tennant. All right, these two fucking guys. First off, the one thing I want to say. Wait, 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 wait! Real quick, before we go into the next one, real quick, then I just want to zoom in on oh, yeah. our, so that we can just look real quick. Because first of all, I just learned how to do. This, where I can zoom in on my screen. Love this for you specifically. Um, so yeah, this is where so we're at with this block. We we have, we have, this is our Guardians of the Galaxy. We have Glenn Howerton, Olivia Wilde, Jason Momoa, and David Tennant. Yep. Uh, and you know what? I do not that Guardian set, whether it had ended up being Chadwick or Jason. I think, uh, it would have been a very interesting, very different, very different Guardians franchise, for sure. I agree. And uh, so who do we have here? Oh, right. And so now, once again, like I'd said, uh, I doubled up on Spiders. Speedermans. So on Wait, speed- is this two photos of the same person? On Speedy Petey. So this is actually Sex Education's Asa Butterfield. And actually Ms. Marvel's Matt Lintz, who you may recognize as uh, Kamala's little friend that I said should have been gay, but wasn't. That's fine. Well, that was a choice. Because they have a romance. Um, one's tough for me. 
I don't think I care. Because the point of Spider-Man isn't what do you bring to the role, it's who do you grow into in the role. The point of Spider-Man is never the boy in the costume, it's the man the boy will become. So no matter who you put in the role of Spider-Man, it doesn't really matter because it's who he's going to grow into. I genuinely don't know that I could have seen the men that either of these boys would become in the role of Spider-Man. And of course, the same is true of any Spider-Woman or any Spider-Girl. The idea of who Aranya has become, the idea of who Mayday became, the idea of any number of beautiful spider characters, it's kind of limitless. So my perspective is... It's really just kind of a matter of would we have the exact same Ms. Marvel show? Maybe not. Amon Vellani's comic writing debut is two of the strongest issues I have maybe ever read from a first-time writer. What a commanding voice. And I would not change a word of Ms. Marvel for that reason. So I'm going to give it to Asa Butterfield if for no other reason I love his name. That's really fair. His name is so cute. Asa Butterfield. It's like a really fun, beautiful name. And uh, I would not mind saying, oh, Asa Butterfield was Spider-Man. Like, that's a, a really cool thing to say. And uh, I have no other real motivating uh, criterions. Um, I am sick of British people being given roles that should go oh to God, I know. American people. Um, I just feel like, you know, when do Americans ever get considered? What about American? What about America? When will America be number one? Realistically, there was an edict that no non-British people could be cast in the Harry Potter movies. That is how insular they are. But how many American heroes are played by Brits? So that's Um, more what bugs me than anything is you will never see an American playing 007. So that's just why it bugs me. It's just that, like, every once in a while, they're like, no, he is so inextricably linked to Queens that that is all we can talk about for our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Okay, then that's the exit or JFK airport. Yeah, exactly. That it's just some British guy playing him. uh, And I think... And, like... uh, if you ever hear a single blooper of Tom Holland accidentally saying something British as Spider-Man, <laughs> you will never again be able to uh, all he he has a British accent the whole time and we just let it slide somehow. But like if the curse is ever broken for you one single second, if you hear one word slip in a blooper, you will realize how much he is constantly slipping throughout the film. And he's very cute and very charming. Um, but, uh, it's the same reason Rachel Maddow never lets us think she's pretty. The minute she slips and we recognize she's pretty, we'll never take her seriously as a news anchor again. Yeah. Kind of, kind of seriously. Um, yeah. This is I want to read out loud. I want to read out loud yeah. Tori's comment though, which is my bigger question is which of these two would be so insane as to drunk dial Feige to beg for another movie, because that's the more important part of Peter Parker. Isn't and- it? My guess is probably Matt Lintz, um, just because Tom Holland, I think, stopped drinking a while ago. Uh, or sorry, uh, Asa Butterfield stopped drinking a while ago. Mm. Um, Tom Holland also did. but I would give up alcohol for that fucking uh, windbreaker. That is the fucking cutest jacket in the entire universe. And oh, if I you know. haven't watched it, Sex Education is a blast as a show. Uh, it is, actually, it is a famous penis double for that one scene uh, for Asa in Butterfield. In season four. Yes. In case anybody yep. is wondering. Yes. Uh, 
Jillian Anderson living her Emma Frost fantasy. Uh, she's just fantastic. Oh, real quick, because uh, Tori's here. Do we just want to shut down the show and become a Jillian Anderson podcast real quick? I would like to. Tori's I'm here. always ready to oh. do that. I always have material in my back pocket. Uh, I, I think she just castings. dropped her phone. <laughs> trying to respond fast enough we're gonna get just like the, garbled the text. screen vague, vaguely is warped now uh yeah i'm giving this one to matt lintz he has that uh if you google photos of him he's got he's gorgeous but oh my god you, know, know. you put him in like a, a moppy you know haircut and some frumpy clothes and he doesn't seem that special anymore but then you know you can turn him into spider-man so i don't know i think that he's got what i'm looking for 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 a spider person i am only going with the crowd and saying asa butterfield because i feel like i haven't seen enough of matt lintz yet uh and i think that asa butterfield could have brought a um Andrew Garfield, um, you know, yeah, that's the thing I'm trying to avoid. I get More that British I, stuff. I get that. I really do. Uh, but I, I, I don't know how well Matt Lynch could performed in the role yet. Yeah, and I, I yeah. definitely don't know if he can do acrobatics. And honestly, the thing that really, at the end of the day, clinched this for Tom Holland is the fact that he can dance and that he can do flips. God, uh, I really hope Tom they Holland had a clinch. They stopped talking to everyone else when that happened. Uh, so I don't know how well any of these others, like, I don't know how well Asa Butterfield would take the acrobatic. Well, he either. did so all I the zero grab stuff in Ender's game. So he's probably fine. Right. Okay. With, um, uh, with Orson Hawkeye Scott herself, um, Haley Steinfeld. So putting them back together would have been fun too. Uh, except mm. no, it wouldn't have. So anyway. Dude. She's had such an incredible career that when she came to the role of Hawkeye, she brought an entire gravitas and a fan base with her. And yeah. that's something that I think when we're talking about a lot of these castings, we're talking about whether you bring that or not. And that yeah. really does define how we interact with these. We keep saying, oh, well, he's Jim from The Office or, oh, that's the guy from Sex Education. And the nature of having that interaction with some of these actors and actresses is why we don't have the unknowns, the 10, 20, 30 unknowns up for each one of these roles up on this board because in so many ways we can't predict the nature of how hollywood will adapt and how it will take to different fandoms did you plan that to be the perfect entry to our next entry yes because oh excellent i'm really glad that you did because i have uh, it open i have the document open i want to be a yeah i uh so these people this entry is Charlie Plummer versus Charlie Rowe as Spider-Man. And I believe the question that we all want to ask is who? And look, there were a lot of people that were being floated for and had their names thrown in the hat for Spider-Man. Love of my own life, Dylan O'Brien was one of the people. Uh, former Percy Jackson, Logan Lerman is somebody that they were saying that they were talking about or looking at. But there were only so many people there was like a short list of genuinely six actors who were in the final final running and these two men were two of them and they are actors 
Well, I want to say that by looking at them, Charlie Rowe has everything I would expect a Peter Parker to have. But what Charlie Plummer has, Kevo, could you possibly, or uh, TK, you control the brackets. Could you possibly zoom in on Charlie Plummer? Well, I'll, I can, but Kevo's going to have a better yeah, time with it. Yeah, yeah, let me bring my thing in here. and then I'll... Can you zoom in on his eyes for a minute? Oh, God, Nico, really? This is where no, we're going with No, hold this? on. Listen to me for one goddamn second. He has Peter Parker eyes. Peter Parker eyes are always looking at the world like everything might be a little bit better tomorrow. It's not that Peter Parker is saving the world for today because today already sucks because Peter Parker already had to be a superhero. And that's the hardest thing in the fucking world for Peter Parker more than anybody in the world. He wants to be a brilliant scientist. He wants to be a brilliant scientist who's also a shutterbug. He wants to love women far more fabulous than him. And he wants to be a good man. And Peter Parker eyes are always hopeful. While Charlie Rowe is undeniably a gorgeous man in this photo, he has the eyes of a dreamer, of an artist, of a Tony Stark. Peter Parker isn't a dreamer or an artist. Peter Parker is a good man who wants to work a hard job. He happens to be a genius. He happens to be brilliant. But at the end of the day, nothing makes Peter Parker happier than a nine-hour work shift followed by being Spider-Man. And in Charlie Plummer's eyes, I can kind of see that level of I want to surrender to this and it's the headshot because no one has those eyes that's a drawn thing that's a mike diodato knows how to capture sadness that's john ramita jr knows how to look tired oh okay but in this photo these two pictures charlie Plummer has the eyes of a young hopeful man in a way that charlie Rowe already looks tired by life in charlie Plummer's eyes all i see is chloe seven oh she'd be a great spider-man so would Karen and Shipka. I swear to God, the biggest problem in the entire universe is that they just won't cast Karen and Shipka as Peter Parker and not ask us to ask any questions. She'd be a great Spider Gwen, but also, yeah, Peter Parker. Um, I really just can't see Charlie Plummer. Uh, I honestly, I can't see either of these dudes, but um, I I see Charlie Rowe. It's interesting. Like I, even as I say it, I'm like I'm I'm hedging a little bit because uh, Charlie Plummer is even that much younger. He's three years younger uh, than Charlie Rowe, and uh, I just out of curiosity, Tom Holland is British. No, I'm trying to get a birth date. Dating Zendaya. Um, 96 okay so he's 96 oh my yes. god he looks great i know he's amazing milton tom burl tom Harland, holland and charlie Rowe are about the same age uh charlie Plummer is three years younger and i think even that little bit of difference could have really changed what you were trying to do for the movie because the tom holland spider-man is not the 30-year-old who's playing uh, a teen on a primetime soap opera, but it is definitely not... Boat McGuire. Uh, but it's definitely not, like, a 16-year-old playing a 16-year-old. Yeah. And uh, I think you might have gotten that with Charlie Plummer, which I think could have been interesting. Maybe you would have gotten a bit of a um, freshman year, a... Uh, Spider-Man freshman year vibe, which could have been cool. Um, I always thought that like even Tom Holland 
seemed a little bit adult for the moment they were trying to have where he shows up in Civil War. So uh, what? I only want to say in yeah. Charlie Rose defense, because we're saying a lot of stuff about how old he looks. No, just there how are, old he is. But I, I mean, and at the time, but like there, there are yeah. pictures and appearances where he looks a little bit more the Peter Parker type. Yep, absolutely. Um, and and I think my vote is still for him. I guess I'm just like, uh, you know, to Nico's point of like the essence of a person. I think the age still comes through when you're a little bit older. And so like, like I said, like he's Tom Holland is clearly younger than everybody else in the airport fight scene. Um, but he still seems like an adult. And I think that scene would have been really interesting if it had been an actual kid, like, you know, somebody who was actually yes. too young to be there. Because I think actually... the writing, I think the writing was trying to go for that, but because of Tom Holland and the way that he carries himself with such confidence, it didn't really come across the same way. Yeah. Um, that said, I do think it's still Charlie Rowe for me. Uh, Charlie Plummer. I uh, hope you have a we... distinguished career as a plumber. We hardly know ye, we hardly knew ye, and we still hardly know ye. So sorry. All right. Now, I just want to comment for one moment on this particular slide, because whenever I see Joaquin Phoenix, I always think Gail Bernard Garcia. Gail Garcia like, Bernal, Joaquin thank you. Phoenix. Oh, God, I am white. So... Uh, I'm actually Latin and Greek, so <laughs> I'm ashamed. So you can say whatever you want. <laughs> uh, no. So this is a really great uh, set because these two gentlemen are up for Doctor Strange, and either one of them would have radically transformed the role. One of the mm -hmm. things that Benedict Cumberbatch offers is a CEO executive confidence, whereas Joaquin Phoenix and Ryan Gosling both offer a boyish charm in their own way. And I wonder if it's because the former has the benefit of having an, uh, you know, a famous older brother overshadow him until he became an Oscar winning, you know, strong force in his own regard. But one of the things that Ryan Gosling will always be out running is that he is sort of a straight man's definition of fuck me, daddy. And that's kind of hard to beat. You know, one of the things that I think Ryan Gosling is defined by is the fact that so many straight men really do see him as their Kinsey exception for whatever reason. And I think Joaquin Phoenix is an artist. He's an artiste. And, you know, that difference would have transformed Doctor Strange along that same line where we're talking about something like the artiste is Iron Man. The handsome guy is Captain America. And the decision they went with was an actor who straddles that line. Yeah, he's very handsome, but he's really an artist. I think this decision forces you to reckon the fact that Dr. Strange was never meant to straddle that line so affectionately. And if you're asking me which one of the two is Dr. Strange, it's Joaquin Phoenix. But if you're asking me which one of them I would rather see, it's Ryan Gosling in a pair of boxer briefs. <laughs> Just, just a cape, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I basically agree. I mean, I think that Joker is kind of ridiculous and silly and stupid because uh, Joaquin Phoenix got so method. He stopped making it fun at all. 
and it just became the Joaquin Phoenix show. He became such a method man that he began he began recording tracks with Red Man. There you go. Uh, the only thing that's making this next one exciting is the advent of Lady Gaga as um, Harlequin, who I feel oh, like I got confused. And I was like, "Oh, right, no, she's going to be Clea." Wait, but that yeah, that would have been an amazing pairing right there. Um, Lady Gaga talks such a huge game about how method she is and then doesn't really do anything or bother you because like that's work man she um, doesn't want any dead animals would, so like it would distract her from her cigarettes and her as i think kevo just said eating dead animals <laughs> yep that's what he said you got it you were listening for sure um, i also forgot she keeps the dead animals for her wardrobe yes that's more of a kesha thing but i hear where you're going with it i like um, your beard the meat dress <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, okay. I really use Jack as mouthwash this morning. Well, First you were camp. you were up to camp, so it's understandable. Um, if you're camping, it's manly. I I think they both would have been bad for this role, but I would prefer to see Ryan Gosling. I I, I also want to throw out there. I think Benedict Cumberbatch is bad for this role. Um, I think yeah. he's pretty interminable to watch and, uh, his lack of charisma in this, as opposed to like something like Sherlock, where there's still like a contingent of Tumblr women that I think is enough to constitute an army that could kill us all that just loves him as Sherlock. So uh, Tori pointed out as not yeah. Mr. Sinister. So Tori pointed out I that she would have liked uh, Strange more with Joaquin's charm, and that that movie broke her out of her cumber phase. Uh, Tori, and it encouraged you to ask, say it louder. Do you do you think Joaquin has a charm? What's is it something that I have it, something? He's still going. Yeah, um, it's I an actually BDE. I actually, weirdly, this is one of the only roles that I like Benedict Cumberbatch in. I don't like him for the first 40 minutes of the movie, yeah. and I don't like him when he's still being extra smarmy, but when he's, like, being mostly a nice dude and just hanging out with Wong, this is the most I've ever liked Benedict Cumberbatch personally. And he's excellent when directed by the Russo brothers, who <gasps> always seem to know how to get, like, the friendliest version of you out. I think yeah. one of the reasons that America had a problem being so angry at Star-Lord is the way the Russos humanized him is the same thing we see in Alison Brie, that we pushed her to the top of that first bracket. But now this begs the question, who would we rather see hanging out with Wong? Joaquin Phoenix or Ryan Gosling? That's Ryan Gosling. Oh, Ryan you? Gosling. That's, that's Ryan Gosling, yeah. First Thank you. That actually, that answers the question. Because this is the other thing, is I think the huge mistake about the... Um, Doctor Strange movies is basically what you said, which is that the Russo brothers make Doctor Strange work in their films because they're ensemble films. Yes. And they just need him to be good in and amongst the others. And the problem with a Doctor Strange film is it requires that you focus on Doctor Strange, who sucks. Uh, Ryan Gos Tori says uh, Ryan Gosling gets Wong in the divorce. I think a mix of a better person uh like a ryan gosling and then making them an ensemble i think if you had bats more wong because we wow. it, it, the, he's a, a ghost dog for anybody who doesn't know uh and i 
I think Cumberbatch can even work with an ensemble. I think it's why yeah. he he worked well in Spider Man too. So yes. like, yeah. Uh, and even in his own movie, the second one is better because it's spread out a little bit, but it focuses on him too hard. Bring Clea in early and have, you know, really it's the House of Strange, it's the Sanctum Sanctorum, it's all of them solving magical mysteries. And then I think he's a little more tolerable. But I think regardless of that, uh, we're having more fun with Ryan Gosling in an alternate universe where this is happening. And can I just remind everybody that Benedict Wong is like the hottest man in the Marvel? He's so fucking studly. And nobody talks and about has what a also, big man he is. Not to continue tangenting too hard, but yeah. and it's even including Benedict Wong, but well, now that I'm thinking about it, and hearing you say the phrase House of Strange, gosh, I really hope that we go in the direction of seeing Doctor Strange and his crew go up against Agatha and all of the witches yeah and i really hope that that's going i somewhere. think it probably won't happen because it's a great idea well and if i can add to this do you guys know what marvel ran an article for that i seriously it brought a tear to my eye i have never been happier with marvel as a company what ah. one year of madison yeah yeah they've been they've been doing a bunch of madison stuff Dude, and i really want to be serious she should join the doctor strange universe i Something couldn't agree more Something that Benedict Wong's humor, that Benedict Cumberbatch's humor, I was so wrong. Tori told me to trust the process. Benedict Cumberbatch is not going to ruin Doctor Strange. I didn't think he had humor in him. I thought he had dry humor in him. But no, he actually has some like funny jokes in him. And somebody like Benedict Wong, who is, in my mind, like a BAFTA winning actor, is so capable of so much depth. I didn't know that Benedict Cumberbatch, who I saw as such a flat actor, somebody who was just always mean, very good at mean, but I knew Hugh Laurie as a comedian well before I knew him as House. So thanks to that, I wasn't thrown by that the way perhaps Sherlock shut me out. But Kevo, I see you have a point. Well, and I'll be bringing this up tomorrow, but it's something that I said to you while we were watching the Loki premiere. I turned to you and I said, in what universe in Marvel Comics could you imagine a world where Loki... And Mobius from the Time Variance Authority are best friends. Part of the strength of the MCU is not just adapting, but building and recreating and reshaping and taking things like Coulson, taking things like Darcy from Thor, taking things like Madison, inventing new characters and concepts that work well with these universes and giving us new ideas and fun new ways to see these characters. It's Agreed also completely. something that I was noticing with Loki is like, no matter what we do, he's not going to get that many more storylines and appearances. In the time that it has taken for us to first see Loki and to see Loki in the second season of his show, uh, the comic book version has been 18 different people, had 18 different jobs, and we can't get any of them to stick. And if we like Loki as Agent of Atlas, as or Agent of Asgard, as you know, one of the young Avengers, as anything, um, we're never getting that back. He hasn't been with the young Avengers who haven't been around him forever. He hasn't been an agent of Asgard. Like none of that has happened. This is like we had Loki villain, which lasted all the way through till he's killed. And then we have some nebulous time. We see him a little bit and then he is brought back to start this journey as a TVA agent. So it is basically 
Well, I should say, you know, it's a little bit, you know, the villainy into slightly good guy is like a, a bit of a bleed. But even in Thor Ragnarok, he's like kind of still a little bit villainous. Yeah, uh, I know. I mean, yeah. no matter what, even if he's a good guy, he's a trickster good guy. Right. Automatically makes him in a really difficult to define category because we like to look at our characters as operating in a binary. He's the antagonist of scenes. Uh, even if he's not the antagonist of a film, he is still, when he shows up with Thor, he's often the antagonist of a scene that he's in with Thor. So he's often in that. So it's basically antagonist. And now protagonist of the TVA. What? Wait, guys, it's literally been 13 minutes. Who the fuck won? Joaquin Phoenix or Ryan Gosling? Yeah, we sorry. We all unanimously agreed on Ryan Gosling when we yeah. got to Benedict Wong. All right. No, you're so right. And now let's do this last one so we can, yeah. So <sighs> I loved discovering this one for a few reasons. Uh, mostly, I loved having Yaya Abdul-Mateen uh on this list because so was jason momoa and that's an aquaman connection but also both of these men would go on to be characters in the mcu anyway uh yaya will be wonder man eventually if this ever happened and uh michael james shaw was corvus glaive in the Avengers movies so uh was he really Yes, he was. That's why I picked him. I was fascinated. You know, I got to be honest. When I look at Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, the first thing I thought when they announced all of that Wonder Man shit out of nowhere was this is a character that very few people care about in the comics. And thank you for casting an actor who's going to make so many people care about him in in the TV show. This actor looks like he is set to revitalize this character. You know, Wonder Man is interesting, But something that could really take him to the next level is considering some real-world applications of what it means to be a minority celebrity. A superhero celebrity is a minority in such a fictitious way. Yeah, a minority who has superpowers, a minority who can psychically turn into ions and defend themselves. Every gay dude wishes he could turn his dick into ions and defend himself, right? So, like, Wonder Man is an amazing character. But, you know, when I think about how wasted Michael James Shaw is as this sort of forgettable character in Corvus Glaive, while I love Corvus Glaive, I wonder if I think about Corvus Glaive because of the role he played in the Avengers two-part finale or because I play a lot of Marvel Contest of Champions where my Corvus Glaive is a very high-rated five-star. So I think that when you're asking me which actor had more to maybe give to M'Baku, I think an actor like Yaya Abdul-Mateen would have been picked out of whatever obscurity he's in for a role like Wonder Man, no matter what. But it would have been interesting to see Michael James Shaw playing M'Baku against Corvus Glaive in that battle in Avengers Infinity War, where they're both on the battlefield at the same time. Which one is the telepath in Avengers Infinity War? That's Corvus Glaive. Maw. No, oh, Ebony Ebony Maw. Thank you. No, God, Corvus Glaive. They're both just such creepy little fucking. Corvus Glaive is the guy who looks just like Ebony Maw, but with pointier ears and a hood, and he just does stabbings. Yeah. And then Corvus Glaive is the one with the. Um, Ebony Maw uh, is the one with the cold over. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then yeah. it's uh, Call Obsidian is the big guy, and Proxima yep. Midnight is the lady. Which is why I thought I thought you were like I was gonna be like no, he's he's Call Obsidian because these two men are gigantic. Uh, also, um, basically the same age, just a couple months apart. Both of them younger than both than all of us. Both of these men are yes. younger than us currently. Yeah. Are well, that's sure? our show. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go. This has show. been really fun. We love <laughs> well, you all. We, that's um, it. Death is Goodbye. upon us. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> death is... When will death come? I have to hit the button. Goodbye. No, not really. Um, also, just... Good lord. Absolutely shredded the both of them. Um... I you guys didn't watch uh Watchmen, did you? No. Uh Yaya is amazing in that. Um I yeah. I uh Genuine. do you know who do you know who he plays? I do. Manhattan. I mean, people if you haven't seen it. And let's it move yet, on. It's over, so yeah. Uh, if if it's you not Google, back. we're sorry. Unfortunately, if you Google him at all, the first thing you will see is an image of him as Doctor Manhattan. Oh, okay. Um, I don't have to Google it then. Thank you. No. Um, yeah. So he he does play Doctor Manhattan. It's weird how he is Doctor Manhattan. It's it, worth it enough just to see that and how that comes about. Um, but he's amazing in that role and. It, that's just such an incredible show. This one is really difficult for me because I don't want anybody else to play M'Baku. The only... I, I. That's true. Winston Duke is a church. Get on your knees. Let's pretend that him. this is the universe where Chadwick is Drax and Winston yeah. is Black Panther. So... Yeah. Um, I feel like... I am giving it to... Michael James Shaw, Same. because physically, this is uh, this is based on nothing because I have nothing because these two men are both beautiful and phenomenal actors. Uh, but physically, he comes off as bigger. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, if, again, if you Google them, you will see that they are both in just the kind of shape that puts the rest of us to shame. Uh, but uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen II comes off a little more live and wiry and shredded where uh michael james shaw just seems like a fucking dorito chip uh shape and mbaku specifically has to be look he has to look physically larger than black panther because that is you know how he's going to play we know black You're panther shredded but what you mean is yoked to fuck yeah yeah i mean they're both they're both insane but just like on a bit of a technicality, Michael James Shaw just seems a little bit bigger. Uh, he also seems older. Like I was sure that he was 10 years older than I was and that Yahya Abdul-Mateen was going to be like two years older than I am. Um, that's insane to the sadness that they are both, you know, young enough to be my children. Uh, but yeah, Michael James Shaw just seems a little bit larger which is all I've got in terms of criteria. I think they both could have been really cool. 
Same, but I'm going to give it to Michael James Shaw because his character is so forgettable that we interchanged him with another character. Yeah, yeah, that too. Uh, you know, M'Baku isn't necessarily the greatest role in the Black Panther franchise. I really loved the stuff that he brought to the second movie. I would have loved more. Um, but at least it is still more than... Which one is he, did I say? Corvus Glaive? So... Corvus Maul the Flob. Yeah. All right, so we are now into our final phase. We're going to start. <laughs> okay, wait, no, this is legitimate because this you is are so toxic. Have Glenn Howerton as Star-Lord or Olivia Wilde as Gamora. I got to give it to Olivia Wilde as Gamora. I think I root for her more. Glenn Howerton has a sort of, he could have made it as a toxic, coked out CEO vibe. And, you know, what could Olivia Wilde have done? Been like an acting coach? Mm. You know, in terms of like what we project onto these people from a cultural outside kind of perspective, just like looking at them. Uh, I think Olivia Wilde is a phenomenal actress. She's a brilliant performer and certainly knows how to handle herself. I was not making a statement about them as people, but I do think Olivia Wilde has perhaps a little bit more to offer to the role than Glenn Howerton does. Glenn Howerton has shown us his range and it is evidently AP bio. Um. I mean, you and I have like exact opposite feelings about Olivia. Good night. Um, yeah, my vote is for Glenn Howerton. I really don't like Chris Pratt either. So in my dream world, we get him out of there. Uh, but I do really like Zoe Saldana. Let's leave her where she is. Um, yeah. Tori also votes for Glenn Howerton. And yes. I'm also... Yep. I'm going with the crowd. Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see Olivia Wilde's Gamora. But if you're asking me to pick between these two, I would be more interested to see Glenn Howerton. You know what? Okay. If we're talking about interested, okay, then I can definitely hear what you're hearing. The idea of more interested. Yeah. I just think that Olivia Wilde would be a little bit more reliable in the role. As far as these two go. Hundo P. David Tennant. 100%. We all David Tennant. Yeah. Good night. I just still had to write it down for the. (laughs) <laughs> for posterity of the comments uh, uh, so. for Speederman um, oh it's got to go to Asa Butterfield because I've heard of him I just is there any way to make Asa Butterfield as cute as Peter Parker is supposed to be now uh, I think yes because he does look cute here it's, you know, when he does the giant round eyes like a Cupid doll that are just literally impossible giant circles, uh, I think he probably could have been coached, maybe would have done well under RDJ's tutelage. I didn't get to say before, but I also wanted to add, I specifically even chose Charlie Plummer and Charlie Rowe because I loved that it was two men named Charlie, and neither of them still got it. Um, and neither one was Charlie Puth. I, I, would have, I, I would have seen Charlie Puth. Same. I would not have. Kevo, I almost met when I messaged you and I was like, nope, I got it earlier. It was because when I got the list and the photos, I wasn't paying attention. And I thought it was Charlie Hunnam. 
Um, and I was like, why did you pick one of his really old I'm photos? Monster. <laughs> I was like, he is like a jacked old man and you have this photo of him from Queer as Folk era. And I was so confused. And then I finally realized oh what was God. going on. And it's just cycles repeating himself because Charlie Plummer is just Charlie Hunnam. Well, and but Charlie now Hunnam I want... definitely had a few cycles repeat. Yes. And now I want late 30s, early 40s Charlie Hunnam to be playing Peter Parker. Hey, I'm 15. Yep, 100%. He couldn't play 15 on Queer as Folk. He was already too tall yep. to be playing on Queer as Folk. So, yeah. Getting banged by Littlefinger. How fucking weird. Anyway, um, oh, I'm, I'm voting for Charlie because I think he's cuter. I'm giving it to Asa Butterfield. All right. I love I that. Am, I think Charlie is also cuter, but I'm also giving it to Asa Butterfield. I Listen, we all got our own criteria. Um, this is Ryan Gosling. I keep saying to myself, Noah, and then no, that's not his goddamn name. What's that his name from? Uh, the Notebook. Oh, the Noah book. I get it. Um, I I've never it seen Ryan the Notebook. Gosling. Well, no, I have um, because I'm a homosexual. I am too. I just didn't want to watch and the Notebook. So You're I a pansexual. It. I'm a pansexual. And I'm I a homosexual, and I didn't see the notebook. So listen, I guess... there are guys that are like, "Do you want to watch the notebook?" And then like, see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm not like, one of those yeah. guys. You're pan, so you're even more likely to see the notebook because that's a that's a pan. Yeah, ladies oh, like that and movie women. too. Um, hey, ladies, I... if you want a good night? You know, just call me. <laughs> call watch me. I watch notebook. the notebook with you. I watch the notebook. Um, I. I'm going to give it to Michael James Shaw because I don't like Ryan Gosling either. I just voted for him over Joaquin Phoenix, who I really don't like. I'm going to give it to Ryan Gosling because I wonder the value of changing the Marvel Cinematic Universe with a main character, maybe a little bit more than changing the Marvel Cinematic Universe with a just south of main character. You know, M'Baku is as close to a co-starring role as the Black Panther, uh, at least the first movie, has. And so I really feel that, you know, M'Baku has a lot to offer, but Doctor Strange is a title role. Yeah, I really agree, and I, gosh, am just so fascinated by what could have been with Ryan Gosling in the role of Doctor Strange. I, again, I, I do like Benedict Cumberbatch overall. I really appreciate the way that we talked it out in this episode, that you guys highlighted what it is that I do like about Doctor Strange and where the problem is with him not being in an ensemble and who's taking care of the character and all of that. So that was really great, but... Uh, yeah, I think that Brian Gosling probably could have brought uh, a lot of the same charm and charisma and cockiness without potentially being as smarmy. So you're for Ryan Gosling, yeah? Yeah. And yeah, he was right. in the Mickey Mouse Club, so... And he was in the Mickey Mouse Club, and he, he so he knows how to do this with magic. So uh, This has got to be David Tennant for me. Oh, yeah, not even a question. This is... Uh, you know, the 10th doctor or, you know, Dennis, this is a rough choice. And it just doesn't help that David Tennant is sort of like a herald of his fandom where Glenn Howerton's fandom is um, alcoholism. So it's got to go to David Tennant. Kevo, are you on board with that? Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, I like I, I was I'm I'm really intrigued by Glenn Howerton as Star Lord, but I don't I don't think it was a question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
I'm voting for Asa Butterfield here. I really don't like Ryan Gosling. I'm going to give it to Ryan Gosling because I don't Jesus really like Christ Benedict Christ. Cumberbatch. <laughs> I really want to hear if there is anyone else in the audience still Tori, going strong with us, us to sound out because I am not stumped, but I'm pondering for a moment because I'm not entirely sure which one and- I would genuinely rather see. Listen, if after that moment he doesn't have a decision, I'm going to go off of Butterfield because I don't care that much. This is up to Tori or Tasty Cake or you know, Jonah, I if you're never, still here. I never finished uh, Sex Education still, not just because it's the new really season just good. dropped. I didn't even watch Series 3 yet. So, it's really um, fun. Yeah, but... Uh, before I could even get to watching series three, it had all started falling apart. And we heard about all the people that weren't coming back for the last season. And like, we didn't know if it was the last season, but we knew shooty was going to leave. So it probably had to be the last season. Oh, wow. Um, we got what? And we're talking about David Tennant. What a good, cool doctor. connection. That's so funny. We're going to be talking about talking to a lot. Next Here's month, the question. Probably. Uh, who would you have cast shooty got as in the MCU? That's going to take me a minute. Yeah, that's okay. We'll save it. Dr. Voodoo, hey. because he has the capacity to make Dr. Voodoo a big deal. He'd be I a great it. Johnny Storm. Uh, uh, Ace is better for Peter over Ryan for Strange. So says Tori Sheen. So says yeah. Tori. There we go. So I'll go with it. I'll go with Tori. Uh, this is still going to be Tenant for me. Oh, it's two British people doing funny accents about Yes. And we don't know. We don't know what Tenant would have done for Rocket. Like we just said, Asa Butterfield, uh, Shooty Gatwa, and then David Tennant. David Tennant's turning into Shooty Gatwa. Lots of crazy stuff there. And I mean, I, I feel like the obvious answer is David Tennant. David Tennant, yeah. I think, Same. Uh, might take the cake. Uh, but we shall see. Are we at the final one? Yes. All um, right. John Krasinski's Captain America versus David Tennant's Rocket Raccoon. I've got to be honest, I could give negative 13 whopping funts about Rocket fucking Raccoon. And if I had never heard that a star was born the day that alias Rocket Raccoon found himself drunken enough to hang over into the Guardians of the Galaxy, I wouldn't have cared but you know what? The office kind of captured my attention pretty early on. I really like the idea of so many of us were trapped in situations that were so close to Dunder Mifflin. How many of us have jimmed the camera well before there was a verb for the noun that expressed jimming the camera? Honestly, as much as I think that David Tennant is a superstar among superstars, I don't care about his rocket raccoon at the fuck all compared to what John Krasinski's defining Captain America, regardless of John Krasinski's performance, would have been for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, changing its ultimate trajectory and, you know, its general perspective. Captain America was the face of 7-Eleven Slurpee Cups, of action figures, and of every scholastic-covered Captain America book that you could buy from a book fair. And, yeah... I think John Krasinski offers a whole lot more to the what if 
than David Tennant's what I'm sure would have been an unforgettably perfect, but probably not beating Bradley Cooper's in terms of cultural significance, Rocket. That was impassioned, Nico. I'm impressed. Um... Hey, do you have anything or no? <laughs> Did oh, I man. break the show? You kind of broke me a little bit. I don't know. I really... Oh, gosh. These are the They two... have to look up so high at your sometimes <laughs> that it's exhausting. Truly. And we just need like a full minute. Yeah, just got to absorb it all. These are like two of the ones that I hate the most they're casting, Captain America and Rocket. I really? really hate Yeah. I love Chris Evans like I said, but I don't think he is right for the role. I truly despise Bradley Cooper and I think he is wrong for the role. So this is really tough. Um do you do you have something? I even really appreciate and respect everything about Nico's speech and I I I definitely completely agree in terms of the importance and visibility of both characters and how Captain America is such a more significant role that requires so much res more responsibility. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we do keep talking about our feelings on Bradley Cooper, star of Kitchen Confidential. And I really wonder what our feelings, you know, you said, yeah, I don't give a shit about Rocket Raccoon. I just want to say, Kevin, what that joke was a win out of the Silver Linings playbook. Thank you. Uh, you keep being like, I don't give a fuck about Rocket Raccoon, but what if it had been an actor Yeah, you might have liked more right from the start? How many characters have you not cared about where then when they put a good actor in the role, you're like, oh, okay. What I'll throw out there for you, Nico, is think about how much you love Bucky, your dog. My dog? Your best friend, my best friend, my dog, the dog, my, my whole reason for being my dog. And my think dog. about all of the themes of animal cruelty and suffering that appear in Guardians three, but are just kind of ruined by the fact that it's fucking Bradley Cooper sucking at being a person. Well, hold on. What? Parallel. Do you know how many straight white men see themselves in Bradley Cooper and maybe for the first time, even if not dog lovers, cared about those things that I, I do not think about. I do not think there was any crossover there. I think those people cannot see themselves in the voice of Bradley Cooper doing a voice as Rocket. Can I be honest with you? I yeah. just really want to see John Krasinski at 245. Yeah, to I think he's there now. I really look at pictures of him as Jack Ryan. I'm serious. I have. No, I want to see him hold the helicopter up. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, you know, that's in and of itself, that might be enough to convince me. And, you know, I also really can't underline enough the significance of John Krasinski in our pop culture where yeah. seeing Jim. Jim, as yeah, that America, would have been a bigger deal than seeing. You know, uh, the guy from a Not Another Teen movie as Captain America. The big deal of Chris Evans being cast as Captain America was the fact that he had played Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. Are, we, are we doing this? You know, I, I think so. All right. What if Reed Richards had been Captain America? That's the real question. All said and done, I feel great about this bracketeering. I think one of the things that the AU of the MCU offers us 
It's an opportunity not just to think about how it would have changed films, but kind of like, you know, we said how it would have changed pop culture at large. You know, John Krasinski hasn't just carved a path for himself as Jack Ryan and Jim from The Office, but he even managed, like we said, to become part of the pop culture phenomenon that is fandom changing the MCU to include certain actors. You know, John Krasinski sold the Good News blog or whatever early on in COVID. The man is a businessman. You know, I think perhaps being Captain America would have actually been a stopgap in his career in a way that a guy like Chris Evans didn't really want to move into the personal sphere as a hero. You know, he really is happy being an iteration of Captain America in real life. But John Krasinski has John Krasinski sized dreams that he is going to make happen no matter what. I do think that having Chris Evans as our Captain America was the best thing to happen for us. But, you know, John Krasinski could have offered a really cool twist on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What do you guys think about our winner? Um, I, like I said, uh, I think it would have been really cool to see him not just as Captain America, but as a really not Aryan Captain America. Um, and I sort of think... I, I like the alternate history you're imagining where it wasn't as big a thing for him as it was for Chris Evans, but I sort of think that uh, around the time he got cast and around the time we figured out when that the MCU was going to be sort of huge, it would have just derailed his other plans. It wouldn't have been that he is like, well, I don't need to do it, but this <laughs> other guy would have. I think he would have been like, well, I guess I'm stuck with this for a while. BRB, fuck Marvel, I'm on the office. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kevo, how are you feeling? You know, I I really love this topic. It is so fascinating to think about the different branches that pop culture could go and how that would affect us. Uh, you know, some of the creative fictional projects that we've been talking about, I know, have involved a lot of alternate reality concepts and this idea that if you just pull at little threads of human history, the things that either can or cannot be changed by that potentially. You know, at the end of the day, The Office still ended shortly after Captain America came out anyway. Uh, the Office ended in 2013. So only a year after the Avengers movie. Wow. So, yeah. So it really wouldn't have derailed too much of The Office by the end. Because it was already on its last legs by that point, too. Unfortunately, um, the Catherine Tate years, another Doctor Who connection. Another Doctor Who convention. Uh, speaking of Doctor Who, Timescales from San Francisco says hello, hello, hello. Hey, Timescales. Um, yeah. Oh, just so many of these choices. And I think the biggest disappointment for me, and I've always said this from Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, was that we had really hoped, we'd really gotten ourselves so psyched up that there was going to be this like giant battle of the variants. And I think it was just one of those things where we were fresh off of Endgame and we wanted everything to be the portal scene still. And I still have hope that we could see something that cool someday. There's so many actors who love just jumping into playing this a little while. You mentioned us potentially seeing a certain electric nacho in Deadpool 3. We've heard so many things about cameos in Deadpool 3. And there's so many fun things you could do in this day and age with media and doing these things. Like we said earlier, back in the day when they cast Chris Evans even though he'd been in Fantastic Four, it was a middle finger to Fantastic Four and saying, we don't care about those movies. 
now when you do stuff like that, it's leaning into the fun of it. It's potentially, hopefully, ending up in a situation where Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland can share a screen together after Charlie Cox made his triumphant return to Marvel earlier in the movie, and no one reacted in our theater. It's fine. No one reacted in history there either, so it's fine. Now, I want to ask you guys a kind of random question, but if you could have any random AU casting, someone who has never been put up for a role, I'm going to put a really stupid casting out there that I think might be the best casting ever. I would like to see B.B. Newworth play both Charles Xavier and Cassandra Nova. I think B.B. Newworth, the greatest legs to ever grace all that jazz as both really? Charles Xavier and Cassandra. A man Nova. notoriously known for his legs. Mika. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I think B.B. Newworth as uh, Charles Xavier and Cassandra Nova too bald. No, B.B. as Cassandra and Kelsey Grammer as <laughs> Professor X. Oh, we happy. How dare you, Cassandra? <laughs> I'm in this chair, but I am not seated at this table. Um, I'm very excited about the Fraser reboot because I'm a simp. Uh, and Kelsey wound me. is one of the best actors in the entire world. Uh, but no, I do think B.B. Newworth as Charles Xavier and uh, Cassandra Nova would be genius. I don't care. Um, guys, what do you think? What's your off-the-wall casting? I wish I'd been better prepared for this question. Uh, so I love Tori pointing out after I just said the thing about Kelsey that uh, Kelsey is already beast as if we have it firmly established that no one no one cares no no longer uh going off charles xavier thing uh my dream is uh michelle yo as um charles xavier uh and uh, you know i would have her be charlie x and not have it be xavier but have it be a chinese last name that ends in x um, yeah, like Shang or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then I guess I'm just going to continue this thread of casting Charles Xavier's. Let's do it. And I am going to go with Nico's favorite as Gus Fring and my favorite as Sidney Glass and say Giancarlo Esposito would Love be it. a really, really good Professor X on so many levels. Uh, I think, unfortunately, and it's so bizarre, because now that I finally watched Star Trek, I understand that Patrick Stewart on Star Trek was not cuddly in any way, shape, or form. So how he managed to turn Professor X into someone so beloved when he actually is like the darker side of Picard, he's not evil, but the darker side of Picard. And so I think that really has warped a huge perception of Charles Xavier for our generation. But I think Giancarlo Esposito could probably lean farther into the darker side of Picard. And, you know, I just want to copy on what we're saying that we three, we few, we happy few, which when Kelsey Grammer gave the St. Crispin's day speech as beast in X three, Oh, that was a Brett Ratner moment. But uh, the three of us recasting Xavier and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness didn't. 
Yep. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's because that that was the one of the, if not the last hurrahs of Charles Xavier, who uh, Patrick Stewart, Charles Xavier, who, you know, for logistical reasons will not be taking on the 20 to 60 year task of being Charles Xavier in these films. No, I think James McAvoy is probably too old for the role at this point. Um, but I loved that moment. I loved seeing him one more. I loved him in the chair. I loved him in, you know, that Shi'ar technology chair. And I just want to say that one of the things that I know a lot of people were like is, oh, Xavier could have handled Wanda. Nope. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. But the truth is that was not the Xavier we recognized from the X-Men films. That was yeah. an iteration of Xavier. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more to be said about the multiverse. And that's really what we're talking about. We're really talking about the multiverse. We're talking about the nature of the many possibilities of these characters and the many iterations of them. Some of these actors have played multiple versions of the same characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point. And that's freaking awesome. And it's just really been an exciting opportunity to talk with two people I respect so much, as well as an unbelievable number of audience members. Like yeah, thanks Time everybody Scales, for hanging out. Tori, Jonah, like the tasty unbelievable cake. tasty cake. Uh, we have had so many incredible contributors this episode, and we are so grateful. We hope you guys appreciated our winner in uh, John Krasinski. Just imagine uh, a world, people. I, of course, came dressed today as John Constantine because it's Halloween and my default Halloween costume is always John Constantine. Um, I but... came dressed as a Trader Joe's I... employee. <laughs> I want to take a quick moment to highlight and shout out and give some attention to Timescales, by the way, who, uh, of course, heard the mention of Doctor Who and wanted to celebrate the fact that on their own channel, they interviewed the novelizer of the upcoming Doctor Who special, Star Beast, which is really awesome congratulations wow. and we are super stoked for so many things of the upcoming uh doctor who anniversary season the new series with russell t davis we are so excited and i'm really excited for the upcoming doctor donathon that they are doing early in november i plan on talking uh these dudes into potentially covering uh whatever episodes it is that are going to be on this list Already and in. uh so we'll talk about that a little bit. We're we're getting excited for Doctor Who coming up in November. Uh, but first we have so many awesome things that we have planned still yet for the month of October. Uh, we have an amazing broadcast coming this Friday, Friday the 13th, where we have a spooktacular concept uh that we are very interested in. Uh Nico, I know that you love horror, you love spook season. So I'm sure you have a lot of stuff that you want to be able to cover in the next few weeks as well. Well, you know, one of the things that's crazy is I love being scared. And I uh, I went with my boyfriend and uh, his, two of his uh, favorite lesbians to uh, Six Flags Fright Fest, which I am a, a big fan of horror houses. That's just my shit. I love being scared. And uh, the toughest lesbian I've ever met when we came out of the third horror house that we went through together turned to me and said, you like to narrate your fears and then go, but that's not scary to me. And um, that yeah. is one of the most interesting things I have ever seen in my life. Why do you just keep addressing your fears? 
Uh, that's what I love about horror. That's what I love about sci-fi. It's what I love about magic. It's what I love about the MCU. Address your fears. Have an opportunity to interact with them. I think that one of the things we forget sometimes is that Halloween is a great opportunity to interact with the scarier side of our fears. But there's also a lot of amazing Halloween stories that we're going to talk about in this next month that aren't so scary. So if you're a little bit spooked out by the, the spookification, please don't worry. We've got a couple of spoopy things coming your way, too. And uh, it's always an amazing opportunity to think about the things that dictate our fictional schedule. We associate October with fear. We, you know, we associate November with transition and family. And then we associate December with, you know, like the holidays. So, of course, in October, we're going to be covering scary things. November, we'll only talk about trans folk. And in December, we'll only talk about the holidays. You know what? Regeneration, transitioning, I'll allow it. Well, no. And one of the things that I think is really important is we sort of forget that November does act as a transition between fall and Christmas. The two holidays that are most associated with each other are fear and Christmas, you know, giving joy. One of the things that really does become the burden of Thanksgiving is to take us from a cold is coming to cold is here and celebrate it. And something that this show is going to do is going to celebrate Thanksgiving. We're definitely going to have Thanksgiving programming. I think that, you know, the holidays in December are sort of predominated by the idea of specific religions. And while certainly Thanksgiving as a time of remembrance in November is predominated by certain national pastimes, I think so many people have sought to create a Friendsgiving sense of things. And so much of that is actually due to the thanks of, you know, friends having Thanksgiving episodes and creating a cultural pastime around the identity of that. And that's something we're going to celebrate on this show. So I am so excited to bring you guys so much content in the next couple of months. We're not just going to focus on uh, Loki because it debuted, but October, November, December, that's three of our favorite months of the year. And we're going to definitely bring you guys. I mean, that's three of my 12 favorite months of the year. So we're definitely going to bring you guys tons of programming uh, that fit those calendars. But until we come back to fit those calendars, Kevo, uh, where can everybody find you? Should you be Calendar Man, my favorite Batman villain? Oh, I do love calendars, but I don't know that I love Calendar Man. The first time you described him to me, I genuinely did not believe that it was real. You literally thought I was making fun of Batman villains, and you you could not believe that there was a Batman villain who's just like, ah, are you lucky? Is it St. Patrick's Day? And you were like, that can't possibly be a Batman villain, can it? <laughs> like, I was like, stop it, you're being mean. Um, but if you want to find me being mean about weird Batman villains, you can find me on the socials at Kevo Really. That's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. Teak, where can we find you being, I guess, mean about Batman villains? I didn't have a second joke. Um, I'll be Mr. Monday from the Venture Brothers who wants to be president of calendars. Uh, and you can find me at TK Elemental. You Nico, can find what's your what's your calendar shtick? You can find me, Nico Grundy, born on a Monday. Um, Solomon Grundy is my second favorite Batman villain. I have really low standards for a Batman villain. Um, uh, no, you guys can find me, Nico Action, N I C O A C T I O N, on all your social. And as always, you can find X's for Show on all of its social media at X's for Show. But I also want to say, if you happen to be watching this video, you can definitely click on timescales and follow that over there on timescales. You can also check out people like Tori Sheehan, who is a brilliant comic book artist. 
at her work uh google capes and boots that's an amazing comic book series you will not be disappointed she writes it she draws it alongside uh, an incredible artist a guy named taryn in who also contributed to our show today definitely check out his work and uh, i'm not trying to suggest dox these people i'm suggesting look at their comic book work anyway we're gonna get off the air three things number one you have to stay safe uh ironic number two uh you have to do me a favor and you have to be brave that is the most important thing you can do always try and be a better version of yourself the next day but number three you got to evolve daily and that is a huge part of uh being a person so stay safe be brave and evolve daily and we will see you guys on the other side